Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody, it's just after 8 o'clock on a Wednesday evening, full dark, outside Hanging Towers, chilly, windy, windy, it's the winter, it's the winter, thank goodness we still have some winter motorsport to come tonight and we will lighten your spirits with a little bit of midweek motorsport as we have all the usual features. Uh, and that will include some guests, which Tim Greer, who is up in London, will enlighten us all on right now. Tim, what do you have for us tonight? We don't have all the usual features. Do we not? No. I'm sorry, that's, we always say all the usual features. Yeah, but you just said it, so I'm going to contradict oh. you by saying we don't. Uh, we do. Well, that's it, I'm off. We do have uh, <laughs> some usual features. Right. And we do have some people to talk to. Excellent. Um, one of whom I suspect we'll be talking to for rather a long time because we haven't spoken to him for a while. Would that be our Australian correspondent by any chance? He is the man who is down under. Although he's uh, been in uh, our half of the uh, the top half of the planet quite a lot recently, hasn't he? Well, well, he was in Shanghai. Does that count? He was in China. Uh, yeah, all right. He's in the top half of the planet. Do you know, I was learning the uh, the chords to uh, Men at Work Down Under recently. Mm-hmm. But let's not, let's not go there. Uh, hello to Chris Suku, who is about to board the plane uh, back to the UK. Uh, he said, I'll have to wait for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, right Turn Lover says, Ta- salmon trout and a bit of bread here. Thank you. Uh, Alexander Orkin, hello to him this evening. High noon on the West Coast. Uh, Dakar, only 38 days away. It is, we'll be talking about that tonight. Excellent, very good. Uh, uh, Alanora Lacante in the house tonight, listening in. Chris Humphreys, uh, uh, apologies for absence. Busy on a, a major new customer this week. More configuration to complete. And I'll be catching the podcast at the weekend. Excellent. Uh, Alexander, by the way, is eating cod and a tomato and rosemary. Sorry, I should. Uh, Master Chef professional is on at the moment, so we should have. What Sean is he Pope. doing to that pineapple? Alexander is serving cod in a tomato and rosemary sauce with crushed potatoes and some fire. Um, actually, we need to get um, Sean Pertwee to do some of our jingles. For him. We absolutely do. Um, hello to Dave Stillwell who is in Melbourne Airport, about to get on a Virgin flight to the USA. That'll be LAX, I presume, from uh, Melbourne. 
hoping Crailsy checks in for a Virgin Australian Supercars debrief. Might just be doing that as well. Uh, you want a quest to find out how many times you can say the word virgin? No, not necessarily. Uh, Woolly says, although they were very helpful for me today when I was booking flights. Uh, thank you very much to Nat at uh, Virgin uh, Sports Partners and also to Kez at Virgin Flying Co. Um, Woolly says, planning to be on parade at the appointed hour. That's if the wind doesn't blow me away first. I think he's in Australia. Australia at the moment as well. Uh, many other people in as well. Uh, at Specutainment, please. You'd like to let us know what you've eaten tonight. Uh, the responsible adult has, uh, I think, already tweeted the menu tonight at Hindhoff Towers, which was a bit of a scratch dinner because we sort of looked at each other and said, in that way that you do sometimes, what are we going to have tonight? I don't know. Not really that hungry. So couldn't think about it. So had a cocktail. And uh, when the... Uh, when the appetite started to build, uh, we had some very lovely escargot with garlic butter and some calamari and some of e- uh, Eve's fantastic low-carb flatbreads, which are very good. Very good. Um, hello to Phil, who says, No apologies for absence. Hope to hear about this strange ending four hours in a lap. Okay. Right. Maybe. Possibly. And our top story tonight, Tim, as he shuffles his papers... He's grating a lime over it now. He's grating Yes, exactly. What is he doing? What is he doing? What, what has he with done with that pineapple? Artichokes are the worst, Tim. Artich- Nobody ever knows what to do with artichokes. I know what to do with a pineapple. It's not that. Did you... Right, sorry. I'm not going to poach it in caramel. No. Serve no. it with some star anise and some no. toasted pistachios. I'm sorry. We are foodies on Midweek Motorsport, and we should say that Master Chef Professional is on at the moment. And I caught Just up. Just to prove we're live. Yes, actually, right now it's on. Uh, I think right now is it? Oh, is it on nine o'clock? Tonight? No, it's right now. No, I'm right, watching okay. it. This is why I'm disgusted right. with this oh, pineapple. Don't, don't tell me. Don't spoil it. I've got it on DVR. So last night, one of the uh, one of the challenges for the professional chefs was to make a chasseur sauce. Now, even I, from the northeast, a working-class lad, knows what goes into a chasseur sauce. I was disgusted, disgusted at what happened. Anyway, that's by the by. Shuffle your papers, Tim. Let's get into the top story. You don't have to use brandy, though. You could do it with red wine. See, I said red wine and brandy, because I liked... I liked, I liked, you like liked the sweetness. I, I like the body. I like the body that it gives. Don't do that, because we'll be talking food all night. Shall we move on to the top story? Here's the jingle. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. We're going to start with some Formula One news. For which we need our Formula One correspondent. Hooray! Hello, everyone. Now, just to prove that this isn't just a hotkey for Nicholas of the Damon tonight you're at a party aren't you i am i'm at a, at a birthday party it's a celebration of uh, 17 glorious years on this planet uh, obviously which will soon be uh, added to by one more dangerous teenager on the roads so 
Oh, yes. so, so which which one of the uh, Dearman households is this? This is Lola. This is Lola, my stepdaughter, my second stepdaughter. So, yes, yeah, so, so the fourth of the five between us who has reached this momentous driving milestone. First uh, in the UK, you can't there. drive till you're 17. So, is she already taking, uh, is she getting ready to take lessons? Please tell me yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, of course she is, yes. Excellent. She's also saved up an unfeasibly large amount of money for a car uh, and has already got me looking out for things. Does she need a 968 <laughs> Porsche? Realistically, yes, she does, but I feel the insurance could be a tad No, no, difficult. cheap. Classic mm. car insurance, very cheap. Mm. Very mm. cheap indeed. Great, yeah, great way to learn to drive. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll I need to make room. Faster. I need to... I, I do need to make room. Do, do they have uh, still have low tax because they're classics as well? <sighs> it's not quite nothing, that nothing old. low tax you're 17 or 18. Tax. Tax, road, road funding insurance. license, insurance, no, no, insurance. Do you mean do you mean insurance or tax? No, he said I, I tax. mean tax. He made road Cla- fund classic license. cars, no, road fund years license. old, forty years old to get free. I say, I say, have a classic mini or a Land Rover. That is the way to get into driving. You get cheap insurance, and you get zero road fund license. Mm. Yes, but then these modern children want air conditioning and sat nav and everything else. If you had an old Landy, you could. Fill it with red diesel and save even more Stop money. It. No, you can't. We can't. We can't possibly say that that is the thing to do. If if you're a farm worker, no, not if you're going to use it on the public highway. I think the common <laughs> use regs. See, one thing that I do know about. Can I make Tim, a point about this though? How, when was the last time you saw any person in authority on the British roads who who would be <sighs> of a ability to dip a tank? Well, that's very interesting. When was the last? Sorry, this is very parochial, and I apologise for our non-UK listeners. I was having a conversation the other day about driving standards in the UK, yeah. and we don't have any traffic cops anymore. We don't have traffic cops, so nobody does anything, which is why the driving standards in the UK... Somebody was pointing out people who were driving with cell phones and stuff like that that were distracting them. It's not got nothing to do with that. It's all about the fact that people just don't drive properly anymore. Don't get me on that. Don't get me on that high horse tonight. It's not the very... question I thought you were going to ask there, though. Every, 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 listen, if Lola wants a classic car, I am very happy to go classic car hunting for the... For the... Get in the queue. <laughs> well, hang on, you've got a TR4A IRS. What year is that? Mm-hmm. 65, so, no, that, that, that is so that is over yeah. 48, 40 years. No MOT, no tax. Yeah, very good. See, that's where... You should you ne- put her as a second driver Spitfire? on that. No, that would cost. She needs to own it. I think a Triumph Spitfire, if you're going to go for the Triumph, that would be fantastic. Well, no, because I want to get a Stag. Oh, right, so sell the four. No, you, she no. can't afford to buy it. No, no, no. no I, want to, I want to have a... She could have loaned her the money. I sadly now want to have a barn full of Triumphs. rotting British classics. Do you have a no, barn? I want, I want a Stag. I very much want a, a Rover P6 3.5 litre. Can't argue with you on that, mate. Um, and I'm also kind I'll of... I'll go half as with you on that. Really? Yes, uh, absolutely. Well, and I also quite want a Rover SD1 uh, mm. Vitesse 190. But they were built very badly. <laughs> I might oh, I even, I I I might even go in well. with you on that. Only if it's got velour interior, though. Not this. Obviously, obviously, yes. No, We've started off in a very strange way. In a very strange way tonight. There's me collecting Porsches and Nick going for the 
classic British rock boxes. Oh, and genuinely, I, I walk around now and I'm thinking, oh, what a fantastic Austin princess. Genuinely, my mind. And you know, I was like 10 years ago. It's, it's old day. 10 years ago, old classic cars. Watch the point, John. And now whoa, you really you give me a hard time a few years ago about classic cars. Did you I not? Know, I know, but you know, you're, you're 18 months older than me. That's what, that's what it must be. <laughs> That was me with me sunbeam alpine, and you give oh, me. I wish I'd, I wish I hadn't got. I, if I if I knew now, I'd have bought that off you. I'd have had it off. It's been a snap now. No, literally, I'd have gone. No, I'll have it. Yes, what true you enough. sold it for? I'd have bitten your arm off if I'd known now. What I knew there. <laughs> That's now. a good little car. That. Isn't snap what the drive shaft did though? No, 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 no. That car was absolutely solid. Very that nice. was a good car. Dark British racing green, hard top, five-speed gearbox, seventeen fifty. Mm-hmm. Five bearing engine. Anyway, we're into a we're into a different program here. We're now into we're now into classic cars, classic midweek motorsports. We've fallen through a hole in the space time continuum. Shall we crack on with a bit of Formula One news, which is now all in the past, of course, for 2018. It is, it is the, the 2019 season started apparently. According, we, according yeah. to Williams, right? Shall, well, before we get into that, shall we just get into the weekend? Without sort of breaking into the review part, um, high points of of the weekend. Should we, should we start with uh, what happened before anyone ventured out onto track? Are we going to talk about Fifi versus Sauber? Haas. No. Haas. Uh, sorry, um, Haas versus Fifi. Fifi. Yeah. No, Racing Point Force, did you? Well, apparently not, because they can't have it always, can they? They can't well, be a new team with a new name and not be a new team with a new name. See, that's not the argument. The argument, the point about this is, uh, is this the right story to go for, Tim? Yes. yes. So this is magnificently convoluted, um, fantastically bitter from uh, Gene Haas. And also, in a way, he's probably right, but he's uh, he's banging his head against a brick wall. Um, so it's rather amusing. Um Effectively, what happened was when um, Force India went into administration, everyone agreed it'd be a really, really good idea if the 400 people weren't fired and we carried on having 10 teams. And when Lance Stroll and his, his gang came up and said, look, we'll, we'll buy them out, um, everyone signed, all the other teams signed a document, I think called the Budapest Agreement, which sounds oh, like fantastic. something cold um, saying, yeah, all right, then, fair enough. They Have any Brexit? It sounds like yeah. it should be part of the law that govern chess. <laughs> yes, or, or a Harry Palmer episode. Uh, Michael Caine. I is the Budapest Agreement. Um, yeah, very so, good. Or a Robert Ludlum novel. Yes. Starring Michael Caine in the film again. adaptation. Anyway. He'd be driving a classic <laughs> car, wouldn't he? The Osterman, I, the Osterman Weekend. Well, no, if he was going to be in Budapest in those days, he probably would have managed to get some sort of Mercedes over the, over the border, I would think. Um, Not a Lada. You know, anyway. I don't know, they're getting friend because they'd put it in Germany, really, wouldn't they? For the, for the, cause they couldn't film it there in those days. Anyway, so they are. They agreed this was fine. All the teams agreed it was fine. But what happened was, of course, that the, the actual buying out, or so the transfer of the same company number, which we, we witter on so lot much about Mercedes and Braun and everything else, didn't happen because of the very huge difficulty in unpicking. Uh, VJ Malia and the rest of the ownership, yes. which was so convoluted, as you know, from the very number of excellent work by other responsible adults. And I think we could also add likely to be legally questionable 
that what happened was instead they just bought all the assets and did what's ah. called a two-peed, which is what you do when you buy out uh, you buy out the staff as well in this country, mm-hmm. the staff over. So the company number, uh, you know, disappeared. That company is still owned by VJ and everything else with all its associated problems, but everything of any value was bought off them and became Racing Point 14 with a brand new, um, well, a, a different company number from what it was, which meant that the actual agreement that Hass had signed up to wasn't what happened, and it was in many ways a new company, right. and therefore a new entrant, and therefore, hang on a second, theoretically <laughs> not eligible to get any of the turning up money for finishing the top 10 for its first two seasons, which Hass, of course, as the newest team, haven't got until this year. So it's two years of no money. Yes, and- but but that has been... that That's, a, as you've rightly said there, Nick, that is a... A battle they're not going to win because that's almost that's been signed off. So what Hass have done is gone to the next level down, a bit like a digital sound desk, mm. and said, "Well, hang on then. If you're going to do that, then and they are they are new, but they aren't new, but 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 then mm. they can't use someone else's chassis." Well, no, what they're saying is, therefore, the, the rules of, um, and Hass are quite interesting in this one, because the rules are you must unique, you must have a unique supplier. You're going to make it yourself. You must have a unique supplier right. of certain elements, and certain elements of chassis and engine can be shared. So, for example, engine gearbox, um, some bits of suspension can be shared, and then Hass buy them from Ferrari. But the chassis itself, they don't make it. It's made by Delara, but it's uniquely made for them. Yeah. So they and you must have a unique chassis, and they're saying, well, you can't. It's not a unique chassis because you're using Force India chassis. Therefore, it's not your chassis. It's not unique. You're not the constructor. You can't have any points. We want to kick you out. Um, but what um, the FIA, the stewards said, well, no, because Force India, as it was, no longer exists. Therefore, nothing they do exists. Therefore, it is a unique no, chassis. To them. No, no, that doesn't. That, oh. See, I, I I quite like what Hass have done because they've been. <laughs> I think it's petty sorry i think it's petty no i don't think it's petty because Haas were made to abide by the regulations and didn't get any money for two years they were a new entrant. sorry they were they were a completely virgin new entrant right so there's nick jumping on the uh mentioned virgin band right yeah ex- excellent very good <laughs> very good um and right that's fine so force india should be referred to as Force India, and they shouldn't have been able to rename themselves Pointless Force India or whatever they were called. I think the thing is, John, that that you I'm can't sure have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. Either you are a new entrant or you're an existing entrant. Yes, but we need to get some common sense into F1. This is the way that 400 people stayed employed. This is the way the subcontractors got paid. No, no, I don't disagree with that, but Hass Hass were disadvantaged by that financially. No, they haven't been disadvantaged so far. Hass could have bought Force India. Theoretically, Hass might be disadvantaged next year because my belief is that if the money didn't go to Force India, the Section 1 money, which I can't remember how much it is, I'm sorry, I think it's about $18 million, I think, um, then it would end up going to share that equally amongst the rest. They're probably about maximum $2 million down. Do you know what I like about this, though? That we're talking about an IP, not IP argument. We're talking (laughs) about the fact that Liberty can't enforce their own rules properly, which they clearly uh-uh, can't. They're not their rules. Not their rules. 
It's they the can't call it they inherited. And these, this is the point. They are trying to. They are. Tr- I, hang they... on, hang on, hang on. So therefore, once again, we're going back to what did you buy, Liberty? So you can't say I've bought that and then not enforce the rules you bought, can you? Or can you? Yes, because the problem is that Liberty bought a going concern with a going concern <laughs> version. Of- of rules this is now, fantastic they're, they're, this they're is stuff, absolutely stuff, fa- fantastic pedantism yeah well the contracts of bernie sign they don't, they don't like a lot of those either i mean i don't think for a moment they want sky to start a five years deal next year in the uk they were more than happy with the current version of share and share alike but bernie signed just before he sold it over to um to liberty and and, and, and yeah fantastic contracts don't get undone i mean hass are not wrong in what they're doing I just think it's disingenuous and petty because it is a completely different set of circumstances to, an in, to a new coming team. And that rule about nothing for a couple of years has been in for the whole length of, I think, at least... So is, so is, the so is Point Force India, Point India Force, whatever they're called... They'll change their name next year. Sorry? They'll change their name next year. Right. Only if they get a unanimous agreement. No, That's next year they true, can change it regardless. It's only during the season that they need unanimous oh, agreement. Right. So, how much is this costing Haas? How much? I think it's costing. I I think, and I would need to just have a look into it. I think it's about one point eight million dollars. I think is that all? Next year, and then another one point eight million dollars the year after um, that. Forget it. In which case, I, I completely withdraw, Your Honour, because it's not worth it in the scheme of things. Well, that's fine. Um, yeah, uh, but the, the where we are now is that the that has have got this ruling they haven't they decided not to exercise a chance to appeal the stewards but of course they've got two options they can go to the fia supreme court which is yeah. relatively or they can just go into the, the high court uh the court of arbitration for sport or whatever and just take it through the ordinary courts um the odd thing is though that that's very very expensive and they're effectively will be doing the work for the other eight teams who, who would benefit equally uh for oh yeah good point uh, any team coming out so it's not like they're, it's not, they're, they're not arguing their argument is not that they get all of Racing Point Force India's money they will get one ninth of it there you go one Racing Point Force India the fact that I couldn't even remember what there was meant to be called shows how actually quite pointless this is and the fact that we've spent 22 minutes on this and not talked about the race yet shows you I've spent a lot of time talking about everything else but racing cars um, the high point of the weekend other than what we were talking about there was, of course, mm-hmm. Nico Hulkenberg's floor. Yeah. With a double O um, or an I... AW. <laughs> Both, actually, Tim. That's very good. I mean, the, the thing is, it rolled. It rolled quite safely. It would have been safe um, whether we had the halo or not, and the halo stopped him getting out. And then people said, oh, no, there's no problem at all in getting out. And I'm thinking, I've never seen an F1 driver not get out of a car in that position before. So why was he the first one not to when he's the first person who's been upside down with a halo in? So, And you heard how the panic in his voice about the fire. Had the Tech Pro barrier caught uh, a light and caught on fire, that would have been a really, really scary situation. Yeah, it He'd been all right. There was a, there was a guy on. There were guys in in with him within five or six seconds. So it wouldn't. Yeah, it would be scary. No, no, it would, but it's been scary. It would be scary. I didn't say it was, you know, life threatening. But you know, it, it kind of one day. You know, they've, so they've had two instances this year. They had the Sauber of uh, Leclerc getting perhaps sideswiped on the uh, in Spa, and therefore perhaps the Halo Halo helped. And we had this one where the Halo didn't help. It didn't matter. You know, you know I think 
it's a flawed solution to an issue that didn't need to be solved but you know there we are yeah but, um, but that, it, we're not going to get shot of that now mate that that's that's no, the decision that's been made no, so. i mean and yeah you don't really see it anymore anyway it's not it's not blighting um the sport any more or less than the other the strange things that knock about in it not very often i say this but i completely agreed with will buxton in one of his tweets at the weekend oh, um <laughs> easy um in that uh the stripes that McLaren put across the um, Alonso cop um, brackets because they don't have any sponsorship close brackets um, to reflect the driver helmet actually were a really good idea and as you can't see the driver helmet anymore it's difficult to see because the halo it wouldn't be the worst thing to have the driver helmet colours on the honk and great fin um, on the back of the car or across the back of the car in some way and then you could Apparently, the commentators can't tell the cars apart despite the fact they've got a huge... Um, Number on them. Well, no, and they've different got... Coloured different coloured... Trim on the cameras. Correct. And That's different the drivers thing. in them. Yeah. And that is Monica really actually key. asking them to make chicken nuggets? Is who? Monica actually asking them to make chicken nuggets. Because... On MasterChef. Uh, stop it. Leave it. Stop watching. I've got to watch that later. Honestly, I'm going to get... I am going to get more pleasure. I'm going to get more <laughs> distress about that and and shout at the television more than I did on Sunday with the Grand Prix. And I I really mean that because there's something about cooking and not looking cooking and not looking after the ingredients that just annoys me and not being able anyway, to do something so in right. 15 minutes. I don't know. So uh, the minute the the race itself. Uh, I I actually sit down, Nick. Are you sitting down? I am actually. Yeah. Actually, quite enjoyed the race. Wasn't a lot well, of action, well but tactics were really good. And I really right. I have hand up. Here's my mm-hmm. hand up. Right. I'm waving it now. I've I've criticised Form um, for broadcasting some of the driver uh, uh, um, radio that has been fitting their narrative. However, mm-hmm. the Lewis, uh, did you know I was going in, hey, I was going to come out with these guys? Yes, they've all still got to make a pit stop, Lewis. Don't worry, it's all going to work out in the end. <laughs> was absolutely magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. And honestly, I really enjoyed it at the weekend. The, the, not a lot of drama. Some interesting passing and repassing with the two DRS zones. Which I thought was um, well, not entertaining. Honestly, I thought it was entertaining, and how people worked and how people fought and how people looked for their. But I, I, I genuinely thought it was just a shame for me, Nick. There was nothing on the line at the last race of the season. Maybe we should yeah, go and double and points. Well, said, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for the. I'm, hang on, I'm waiting for the gunshot. Uh, I, I, that was proven wrong. I know back. you. I know. I'm only. No, I'm only taking. The but um, no, I think you know it was. It was. It was a relatively good finale. The you know the right person won. Uh, um, it was a kind of. It was another microcosm of the season, wasn't it? Really. Yes. You know, Lewis yes. won. Vettel couldn't catch him up. Bottas was very disappointing, and Verstappen hit people. Hit people and still finished ahead of Ricardo. So you know, if you want to, if you want to have a kind of a yeah one race that. That's that very good, Nick. Um, and of course, um, Kimi's Ferrari career ended going nowhere. So, you know, it was like. Badum Tish. Yeah, it was. 
yeah, it, it was it was it was certainly the first 15, 20 laps were very interesting. As you say, it was a, it was a lot of cat and mouse, some some actually interesting uh, passing and repassing in the in the lower part of the uh, field as they ran through their various strategies. And Stoff Van Dorn managed not like an idiot for the first time in in two years. But mm. you know, I think the, the, the season you say, John, it, it it wound up sooner than we all expected when we were talking at half time or even you know coming out of the Italian Grand Prix. It just suddenly wound up with with the mistakes of Ferrari and the fall away of, of Vettel. And we now move looking forward to next year. Um, Can I tell you something that I did enjoy that would never have happened in the pre-Liberty area era mm-hmm. um, was um, Alonso coming on to the start finish line. All the three world champions doing their because you're not an ex-world champion. You're or all world of champion. the world champions whose cars were still working. Yes, true. Good point, uh, Tim. Um, but all the world champions doing the donuts in front of the crowd. Alonso getting interviewed. That wouldn't have happened in the, the pre-Liberty era, would it, Nick? Um, probably not. A Liberty a little, uh, would certainly have... have, have... Uh, for pre said to uh, Fernando, they wanted to do at the end. He was obviously looking to do it because he waited around to um, be in the same piece of track as, as Lewis. And well, I like the way that Lewis and Vettel sort of almost provided a guard of honour to him as he came round. There was the element of that. Whether that was preordained or not, I don't really care. I thought it was very cool. I got goosebumps at that point. And, and Formula One doesn't normally move me like that in, in many times. I was quite emotional and I think they played that very well. Whether that was preordained or not, I don't really care. I thought it was emotional. I thought it worked well. What other post-race yeah, event uh, could have got Lewis into trouble? Did take your shirt off? He did take it well. Did he get a yellow card off. for that? He would have if he'd been playing soccer. Well, that's what I was thinking. Exactly. Yeah, he should have got a yellow card. No, he took his shirt because he wanted to show his tattoos off. Um, <laughs> did you see Max Verstappen's face? He had no clue what was going on. No, but perhaps they thought he was he was, he was feeling a bit hot. They, they called him down with the champagne. I mean, so it was, uh, um, yeah, uh, it was. I don't know. He's probably, he, he, let's be honest about this. He's been absolutely unbelievable in the second half of the season. He can do what he wants, as far as I'm concerned. You know, and it's you know taking your shirt off. You know, is, is it any better or wor- at worse than drink, making the, the interviewer drink stuff out of your shoe? Probably not. So. Um, no. No, I mean it's good. To see, it's good season celebration. I think. I think. Yeah, it's a very long season. Um, I Too don't, long. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, and, and at the end of it, you, you kind of feel the right people won quite nicely. The right people are being promoted. We have got some great new drivers coming in for next year. Um, you know, the ones who are going. Yep, yeah, fair enough. You had you had a chance. So I don't really feel any any, any sympathy for the people who've gone. Um, and you would say that, you know, the, you kind of just just hope that the, 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 the driving roster is getting stronger next year overall. And you would hope, your hope against hope for next year is the midfield teams catch up a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, it was the final race, team, and I know this will resonate with you. It was the final race for, I'm going to get this wrong, aren't I? Uh, it was the final race for GP3 at the weekend. It was. And so the answer to the quiz questions are the final race winner was... Nobody cares. Oh, no, somebody will care. You care? No, not about GP3. It's a fake championship. No, F2. He cares it was Mazepan who won the final race, and the final championship was after nine years was won by... French guy. Very good. But that's as far as I know. <laughs> Ex- except he's not French. He's Fre- he's oh. Italian with a French name. Well, I watched 
no minutes of GP3 this year. I, I watched a lot of F2. I also watched no minutes of GP3 oh, this year. Tim, I'm very disappointed. Nobody cares. It's not a real championship. <sighs> Next well, year, it's F3. Does that make it a difference? Well, it would do if but it was F3, but it's not. It's still GP3, car, but it's, it's GP3, but uh, with a new name, which is a name that it's not entitled to use. Ooh, ooh, I, I feel. <laughs> do you and feel I have a... the full support of Joe Bradley in this. Really? I think it's wrong as well. I, 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 I'm not as feel as strong as they do, but, but the whole point about F3 is... It was Antoine Hubert who won the championship. It was Hubert. Who sounds French, but is Italian. But regardless of the... Um, uh, fact that Delara have dominated it should be a free chassis free testing formula uh, GP2 a fantastic year no, for that, that hasn't happened for a very long time sorry F2 F2 um, a fantastic year with 117 of the 22 drivers actually graduating into F1 well just right, three of three, them all going up <laughs> uh, it was the top three I was exaggerating to make a point there. But we already knew about two of those. It's only the third one that is a new announcement. Yes. Uh, And that means that for the first time since 1954, we have what, Nick? A a Thai driver. Indeed. Uh, Who was born in England? London born to an ex-touring car driver. Yes. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it doesn't do any harm. Uh, the tyre market is a he obviously is, is as is as, 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 as on a tyre license and a tyre passport. But obviously, the tyre market is a very good market to to get into for sponsorship. And obviously, as uh, Red Bull does originally come from Thailand, it kind of quite in, uh, apt. And he's managed to get himself re-signed by Red Bull. So the second time for two twice in a row now. Three of their last four drivers have been drivers they've dropped. They yes, both, both they of uh, so hang on, hang on, hang both on. Of the Red Bull drivers next year would have been dropped by Red Bull. So Alexander Albon, who was born on Saint George's Day in London, yes, is mm-hmm. is not a not a British driver. No, oh, it's Thai driver. Okay, he's lived uh, in Thailand for a very long time. And okay, fine, right. And in Asia for even longer. And Nigel Albany's father is. Porsche Cup Asia champion in the of the past. Did British touring cars in the mid nineties? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think I think it, what the, the good thing is. But isn't got, he yeah. British? Oh, he's British. Yes. Right. So I suppose his mum must be Thai. Um, no, I mean, I think yeah, we got those three guys all deserve a shot, and whether it works out for them, not great to see. The reason, of course, Albon and Kvyat back in again is because. Uh, Dan Tickton, double uh, Macau winner, um, managed to go on a two-year break from being a, a bit of a hothead and therefore hasn't got enough uh, super license points. Um, though interestingly, I was reading today that he's looking to go and do a, a couple of series over the winter that might actually tip him over the 40 points by pretty much by the beginning of the season. So yeah, um, he'd be able to hop in at that point if they one of those two don't work because he's, he's looking to do super formula rather than GP2. And that was so, going to be my next question. Where's Tickton going next year? Uh, Super Formula and uh, the occasional F2 appearance after his F2 appearance this weekend, which didn't go brilliantly. He had an average first race and broke down the second race. Uh, Super Formula mm-hmm. uh, looks to be quite interesting next season. Well, it looks better than, I must admit, I looked at the F2 entries and I wasn't impressed. I think no. if I entered F2 next year, I'd have a half a chance, really. It's not. There's not. If you look at the, if you look at the F2 from this year, where you obviously, despite including the top three, 
then the people immediately behind them are also are in next year. And then of course you also had um, Markalev, who, who was very, who obviously was there for far too long, but was a very apt driver. Um, very as a quality driver, could always was particularly good at dragging the car from the back once they got the hang of it after the first couple of races. So the, on paper, and obviously it's hard to tell because we don't know the ins and outs of some of these drivers. That does not look like anything like a stronger run next year, even with Mick Schumacher in there. Uh, meanwhile, Super Formula, uh, Dan Tictum is uh, supposed to be going to Mugen with the Red Bull uh, backing alongside Tomoki Nohira. Um, Nirai Fukuzumi uh, will join Naoki uh, Yamamoto at Dandelion. <laughs> You're making that up. And Tadasuki oh. Mikino, who's the other young Honda driver, will be at the Nakajima team alongside Bertrand Baguette. Bertie, Bertie Breadsticks running in Super Formula. I didn't, oh, yes. I didn't know that. Um, already gone. And the current, uh, this year's uh, Super Formula champion, showed Suboy, uh, will stay in Super Formula with the Sumo team. Hmm. Oh. Dan needs to finish relatively high up to get the points for his Super Licence. And they can kick one of the other two out. Who will it be? We'll also have two people related to uh, people who have been in Formula 1 uh, as teammates in Super Formula next year. Go on then. Lucas Auer. Right. Yes. And Harrison Newey. Harrison Newey's going to Super Formula now. Bloody yes. He's popping about a bit, isn't he? Okay. Uh, since the Grand Prix in Abu Dhabi at the weekend, there has been a Test. Uh, test. Who is fastest uh, so far today? No, at the end of the day as well. Charles, it is I. It is I, Leclerc. <laughs> we haven't had that for a long realize, time. I realised, as you said, me up for the tape, so I stopped. Um, <laughs> it is him, as he knows he is. Uh, yeah, he, uh, I don't think time the times really matter even less than before because they're not even on, even on the same type of tyres. It is a tyre test. There are five different compounds going out there. Who gets what? Oh, is, oh, oh! Uh, and Pirelli have got the tyres. I know, and, and the, the tyres. Which, which I had a really, really. So Joe and I had a really interesting conversation with Manfred Sambickler, who is the um, the guy from Hankook, the marketing and uh, competition manager from Hankook, who travels around with the Creventic Circus. Mm. Uh, had a really interesting conversation about their their bid. And it was a yeah he said it was, yeah they hadn't lost that point it's an absolutely deadly serious bid, and they put more I, I am told by an insider they put in more money, they offered more money than Pirelli, and he said significantly that, more money than Pirelli. He said when you look at the marketing numbers, it's a no-brainer to bid. Well, he said, we, he said yeah, and we were chatting about it. He said, it's all very well for us to be talk about the European market. We're all very snobby and everything else. Yes. But in the rest of the world, F1 plays amazing. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. And they put in a significantly larger amount than Pirelli mm. to the point where, and I have been told from insiders, Pirelli went, <laughs> I mean, literally went, you can have it for that, lads. And Pirelli have still got the contract. Yeah, there's a reason for that, and the reason for that is that um, it was a it was a rigged it was a rigged um, situation. 
by the fact you had to run two different sides of tyres. No, 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 no. The guys, the guys at Hankook. Now, when I talk to guys at Michelin and the guys at Hankook about this, they all said it wasn't an issue with that. It's the double risk. That's what it is. And given how everything else is, yeah, I just felt it was a risk too far to take on the back of the 2021 regulations for for Liberty. So they just went the the easy path. And then we've got another, so we've all got our four seasons at least of moaning about Pirelli. Uh, by the way, I I stand corrected to myself. Antoine Hubert is French, but he must race on an Italian license because he's been listed as an Italian driver all year in GP3. So, or maybe because no one watches GP3, no one's noticed the graphics wrong. Wow, well, that. that's uh, a very very accurate statement. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, what's been going on in Bahrain this week? There's been a testy swappy test swap play pretend. Ah. John, tell us more. Well, this is very interesting uh, because there's been a bit of a cross code, and uh, not cross code violation, but a cross code, well, getting to know each other, and uh, all involved the McLaren team and the Hendrick team uh, from NASCAR, all down to Jimmy Johnson really, and. Uh, Let's uh, go to the phones now. And Neil Wooding from Sky F1 was there watching it and putting together a programme for it. And it involved, Neil, quite a lot of extra effort from the guys from Hendrick because, they, I mean, the logistics were just ex- absolutely extraordinary for them. Yeah, I mean, this, this has been seven, eight months in the planning, John. And the car, they'd last seen the car in September. <laughs> when I started shipping it out um, to, to Bahrain, the, the, the Chevrolet guys. Um, but yeah, it, it was obviously started when uh, Fernando was out to do the Daytona 24 hours. Uh, it just coincided with it was the same time NASCAR was doing its media tour in Charlotte. He popped in, um, got chatting to Jimmy, Fernando had the idea, and um, obviously Jimmy was going to bite his hand off at the, the chance to drive a Formula 1 car. It's something he never thought he'd get the chance to do. And... Um, Fair commitment to uh, McLaren and Hendrick, and um, it was just a fantastic day. Privileged to be there. Uh, is it possible to say which one of the two of them got the most out of it, or were they both just enjoying it? I mean, a big, a big change up for for Jimmy Johnson, who I don't think has ever driven a an open wheel racing car. He's done buggies, of course, off road stuff, but I don't think he ever did any Formula racing, did he? No, not at all. That was it. He, you know, he, he was picked up. Um, you know, back in sort of 2000 uh, by Hendrick and did his first race in 2001, but he'd never really done single, he'd never done any single seat race and he'd just done a bit of off-road boogie racing and then done a couple of Bajas when his NASCAR allowed, but he, it was like, he, he spent a day at MTC having a seat fit and doing the simulator and, you know, just the seat fit and having his posterior loading at his feet was completely different to a NASCAR, the whole thing, so it was a, it was a massive learning curve for him. Um, but it was for, for Fernando, really. And, and I would say Jimmy got more of an it than Fernando because of where we were in Bahrain. I think it was difficult to sort of, you know, sample a NASCAR on a, on a road track. Um, the, the Hendrick guys were saying the main straight was, was pretty much like the main straight at Pocono. But that's where the comparison ended, whereas this was a proper place to, to sample a Formula 1 car. So they, Jimmy learned a hell of a lot. And, um, you know, McLaren were very impressed by him. Let's, let's be fair. I, I take it they used the full circuit as well, did they, Barrym? Oh yes, yeah, they used the whole whole section. So um, yeah, it, it, it came 
a great sentiment. And, and the breaking was obviously the biggest thing for, for Jimmy um, to, to get hold of. Uh, also, the, the day at MTC, uh, he's obviously used to steering on the throttle on the ovals, particularly on the exit. In a Formula 1 car, that's just going to snap on you straight away. So uh, he probably had you know 70 spins in, in the simulator, but not one when he was on the track. So that's, that's how fast he learned. That's what the simulator's for, no doubt, no doubt about that. Um, do we read anything into this? We know that Fernando has all kinds of, of ambitions outside of Formula One for which he's drawn the veil for the moment, at least, although he's been fairly coy about suggesting he might come back if the time and the deal was right. But what about Jimmy Johnson? You know, He's made no secret about the fact he wants to go and do other things in the future. Do we read anything into this? Definitely, definitely. I mean, he, he talks about how actually he'd had the opportunity uh, to do the double um, about five, six years ago uh, and drive for Team Penske. Uh, what they, Roger, Roger made a car available to him. But, uh, the That's the, the Indy 500 Penske. and the Coca-Cola yeah. 600, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Do, do the double on there. And Jimmy was all for it, Penske was all for it, but unfortunately the uh, engine manufacturer at the time for Penske wasn't conducive with Jimmy being with Chevrolet, and that's been the sort of the biggest difficulty with him doing that. Um, but his contract with Hendrick ends in 2020, and he's talked about not necessarily doing an oval uh, IndyCar. I think he finds that would be a, a, bit, a bit much uh, early on, but he's very, very open to doing a road course race really? in IndyCar. It's definitely wet his appetite, yeah, and obviously, you know, uh, I'm sure there'll be no shortage of takers. That's very interesting, particularly with, you know, what we're seeing from... Uh, Fernando and and his cross code sort of thing. Was, was there any hint or discussion there about what McLaren and Fernando might be doing in IndyCar other than the 500 next year? Because obviously they've they've taken on somebody to to not just somebody actually a very good person to look after the IndyCar side of things at McLaren. Yeah, um, the the sole focus for next year is the Indy 500. They, I think, it's in their mind that. If they tried to do anything more, it would dilute their focus. And let's be honest, Fernando's all about the Triple Crown. So next year is purely about the Indy 500 and, and setting up something for that. But it would then be open to, um, again, probably more road course races than other ovals um, in, in the future after that. But um, in terms of the NASCAR, I'm not sure he fancies being on an oval with 30, 40 other cars. That was his biggest <laughs> thing because, uh, yeah, it was a real eye and just being a single car on track in terms of how they handle. And I, I, I take it, I mean, we saw McLaren pal up with, uh, with um, Andretti racing uh, when Fernando went to Indy last time and that, that sure cut a lot of the learning phase for them. Any news on whether that's going to be the same sort of deal again for 2019 or whether McLaren are rather going it more on their own, in inverted commas, um, I, I presume they're going to have some technical support from a, a US-based team. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a, a US operation, but it's going to be a McLaren organised operation. So it's, it's guys that will have obviously had experience with the 500, but that aren't affiliated to. It won't be sort of an Andretti affiliation that we had before. It will be a McLaren guys, but it will obviously be a lot of guys from America. So. I'm sure as it gets nearer, there'll be other people. As you mentioned, you've mentioned Bob already. 
which obviously has been lesser known with Force India, but has a background in... It's in, Bob Fernley we're talking about there, who became available Great move. I think that's yeah. a smart well, hire. That, that's, what that tells me, Neil, is that they're taking this seriously. Yes, yeah. They see, you know, if, if they see that's one of the, the few plus points they might have next year is if McCann can conquer India and be part of Fernando's Triple Crown, then that's something that's going to you know, cement them in history forever. And are we expecting that's going to be with a Honda engine again next year? Um, <laughs> watch this space. But, um, well, I say that because, of course, Fernando yeah. has just popped up on the entry list for the Rolex in a um, a GM car in the Cadillac for Wayne Taylor exactly. Racing. Exactly, yes, yeah, which, um, and with, with his, his teammate as well, Kamui. Um, so, yeah, that, exactly, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot, again, further, further cross fertilisation um, that we're having on there. So, um, I think. McCann would rather it be um, a Chevrolet engine, but it's how many engines are going to be out there because we've got a pretty full IndyCar grid next year. So you think McLaren would rather it was a Chevrolet, yeah? Yes, I do. Mm, That's interesting. Um, Just a final thought, Nelly, uh, before we let you go, and thanks very much for coming on tonight. Um, No problem, mate. These things are obviously most often driven by sponsors and you guys were there making a, a programme for Sky F1, which we'll see in the UK. There was other people filming it for, for US as well. Um, was it just a bit of fun or did you get a sense that there was a little bit more going on than just that? This this was, I'll say this is very much, Fernando was the catalyst behind this. But when you've got something with like Zach Brown and McLaren these days, he sees nothing, but you know he he's probably one of the best marketers there is in F1. So he saw the marketing side of this, and it's had blanket coverage, hasn't it? This this event. Um, whether there'll be other possibilities in the future, I don't know. But you know, Fernando is still going to be part of the current family um, for for a couple of years to come, and. Who knows what's going to happen with McLaren at Le Mans in the near future? That's very. Well, you know, they've very much got an ear open on there, so. Yeah, I think there's, there's there's more to come on this. Yeah, more than just a bit of fun. Uh, Nelly, thanks very much. I'm very envious of you there. Uh, I do like the Bahrain circuit, and uh, sounds like you had a good time out there. Thanks for joining us, mate. No problem. Take care, John. Can I just say, I think marketing is very important uh, to McLaren for yes. this. Because I can tell you who was testing in Abu Dhabi for Ferrari and for... Toro Rosso and for Mercedes couldn't tell you who was testing there for McLaren this week because all their PR has been around this yeah it's interesting isn't it and and I think and thank you to Neil who actually pulled over to talk to us tonight he's on his way back to his his parents for a a, a well-earned a few days off from Sky Sports F1 um there's a, a great show coming out about that on Sky Sports F1 in the UK, and you'll see it elsewhere as well. I um, believe you'll see it on NBC in the States. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, a bit of cross-code NBC and Sky Sports F1 coming as well, if um, my contacts in the US uh, are telling me anything that I, I want to believe, and I, and I do believe them. Anyway, back to that. Um, thanks to Nelly for that. Um, how about, though... Um, both Nick Damon, Tim Greer, and Shea Adam. Good evening. Hello. Who is joining us from Fort Lauderdale? McLaren preferring a GM engine option 
for their potentially one-off situation with uh, uh, with IndyCar next year. Uh, it, it fits with other stories, Cher, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does, John. And I would just like to submit for the record that a Honda engine almost won Alonso the Indy 500 before it expired. So, yeah, I can see him coming back with Chevy this time. Um, let's quickly... I want to go back to Nick in a moment for uh, MotoGP news. Let's quickly... Um... Can I have a NASCAR story? Yeah, you can do a quick NASCAR story. Uh, because now that uh, the current season's over, uh, no one in any uh, NASCAR National Series is allowed to run a Dodge anymore. Really? No, because they pulled out of uh, the top class a while ago. Uh, they've still been eligible in the Xfinity Series, but... Uh, now it's the end of that season, they're not. So if you want to buy an old uh, Dodge NASCAR, uh, you can pick one up uh, second-hand. And hmm. how much are they? Because you're uh, going to tell us. MBM Motorsports are uh, selling off theirs, which is the number 40 car this year, uh, for 45 or offers over $45,000. Wow, just for the car? That seems a bit steep. Do you think? Yeah, I've, I've heard of old uh, stock cars. The Keselowski championship winning car is down here, and the owner paid 50 for that. That was the one that actually won the race in Homestead. So that seems, 45 seems like mm. a lot for a car that didn't win anything. But hey-ho. Perhaps you can't do anything with, really. Apart uh, from putting in your garage. Nick uh, could have it in his barn with all his other old rubbish. Um, are we going to keep Shea now? Or are we going to bring uh, her back uh, later? One thing for Nick, uh, right. we're going to see a new Brazilian in USF 2000 next season, aren't we? Sorry? Sorry, that was we're for Shea, not for Nick. All right, okay. New new person in USF 2000? I a new Brazilian. feel like I read that. I can't remember who it is, though. It's Eduardo Barrichello. That's right! Rubens' son. Stepping up from go-karts. Uh, Nick. Sorry, Nick. Is he bald yet, like not, his dad with the no, big forehead? No, he's not yet. Not yet, no. Give him time. <laughs> Ruben, Ruben's yeah, always what? blamed wearing a helmet. Right. You had a question for me, Tim? Uh, I was going to say, do we have time to move on to MotoGP now? Yes. Uh, testing, testing. Who has a massive pain? Uh, Andrea Davizzi, oh, I can't say. And Andrea Davizioso. Dobby's got it. Dovi. Yes. Yeah. He fell off, and uh, he's may may not be riding again. Obviously, he's one of the guys. He's carryover guy, effectively, for the Ducati team because uh, Lorenzo's gone off to uh, Honda, and Petrucci, who was di- obviously driving a satellite Ducati, is now in the works team. So it's uh, important. Apparently, uh, Petrucci, who had been on the satellite, no, sorry, Jack Miller, who'd been on one of the satellite mics, said when got on the actual factory bike he couldn't believe the difference it was so much faster everywhere thinking blimey that's one year's development apparently and what happened to petrucci today uh he was fast he was and johnny ray was fastest in the wc oh, poor old johnny ray fastest again <laughs> i know it's a surprise isn't it though 
good news for Declan Brennan in that Alvi, Alvaro Bautista made a very impressive uh, first test debut for Ducati and it looks like he'd be a lot quicker than Marco Melandri and probably um, give Chaz Davis more than a ride for his money so he might get closer yeah, in fairness, actually, the in terms of the times when I was looking at them earlier on, in fact, when Declan and I were swapping texts earlier on, when I was uh, putting stuff together for the short night, um, I I think they'll be feeling pretty cool about World Superbikes, won't they, Nick? Um, I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think that, that both I think both teams improve their driver lineup, but what's happened is I think that uh, Kawasaki have improved their second rider, sorry, not driver, second rider, whereas I think that uh, Bautista will become the, the leader eventually. I think I, I just think he is better than Davis, if he, and, he, and obviously he's having no issues adapting. The difference between World Superbikes and MotoGP is obviously significantly less than it was back in uh, Fogarty's day when you were comparing a four-stroke four-cylinder against a, you know, a two-stroke 500 against a four-stroke four thousand. Um, but even so, it does take some adaptation. So I have high hopes for Alvaro to take the uh, the battle season long to uh, Johnny Rez, of course. Chas Davis, whilst very, very quick, had the propensity to, to throw the thing in the boondocks too often. Mm, absolutely. Uh, uh, one for Shay, if she's still there. No, she's still here. I am. Uh, which British driver who has been racing in America is going to be back in Britain racing a GT4 Aston Martin next year. That's a hard one. British uh, driver who has been racing in America yes. back in Britain. Yes. GT4. Oh, goodness. Aston nope, Martin driver? Blank. No, I can't think of any, any that have been over here in the last year. It's Martin Plowman. Oh, really? Plowy's back? Plowy? Yes. Wow. Good for him. Uh, he will be racing for Beach Dean alongside uh, soap actor Kelvin Fletcher. What's wow. Emmerdale. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, they're also going to be running a GT3 uh, for Marco Sorensen. Aston Martin Works Driver. And like uh, Andrew Howard. Uh, owner of Beach Dean Ice, ice Cream Maker. Ice Cream Magnet. Wouldn't it be great to have an ice cream magnet that attracted other ice creams? Mm, that'd be useful. <laughs> might, well, might just end up with a sticky mess. I've often said there should be more walls around tracks. Oh! <laughs> That's a joke that Shay no. won't get. No, indeed. Yeah. That's a joke that doesn't work outside the UK. It's, not called, it's only called balls, isn't it? They all, have the same, they all have the same logo. All the companies own, all the ice cream companies have the same logo, but then they have the individual... Uh, name of the local company over the top. That's why all the ice creams are the same in Europe now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, that'll change, I'm sure. Um, are we done with Nick? <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you, Nick. And go back to Lola's <laughs> party and say hi, to, say hi to the 17-year-old from all of us and yeah. classic cars, cars the way to go. Well, I th- I, someone's suggesting this and I think I'm suggesting it now. I think we should do a classic car show. Good. Uh, very happy, mate. I I'm very happy to drive all jets. Do you, you know what I get, learned you, at the weekend? You need to get the, uh, the adult to agree to it. Hey, I'm going, guys, now. I've got to go. The champagne may be popping, even though she's too young to drink it, so I get more of it. <laughs> she can have it accompanied by an adult with cream. a meal. Well, of course. Uh, uh, they're in the house, so who cares, really? Uh, do you know what I learned about classic cars at the weekend? Yeah, I'll give it a go. Who is the president of the Fiat 500 Owners Club? Somebody I wouldn't expect. Somebody you wouldn't expect to own a in the Fiat UK. 500. Yes. Uh, Darren Turner. TV of? presenter. Oh, really? Uh, 
Not Darren Turner, then, because I know he's no. got one. Uh, I've got no clue. Steve Ryder. Really? Yes. He's got a bright orange left-hand drive, Fiat 500, registration number AWD170J. There you go. There you go. And he's got a new one as well, apparently. Good for him. I've always wanted a Cinquecento, a proper old-fashioned Cinquecento. I just... I was going to say I don't have room for it, but that's silly because I could just that's put just it in the not kitchen. True. I could just put it in the kitchen. Absolutely. Have we got time for a bit of show? Will we get her back after the uh, the nine o'clock interview? Uh, well, a nine o'clock interview is not really a traditional nine o'clock interview. Is no, it? it's, it's not. Here. It's not because we're going to we're going to wake Krilzy up this week if um, it all works. But I think we ought to move on to still to come. Still to come on Midweek Motorsport. And is there any chance you could bring some dessert to the VO booth, please? Oh, dessert? No, none at all. None at all, Mark. Sorry. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's Series 13, episode number 46, just before 9 o'clock in the UK. Uh, still to come in tonight's show, we'll do a quick wrap-up of all the IMSA news. And there's been quite a bit, in fairness. Uh, Adam is on the line from... Uh, from Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we'll have your tweets, please, to at Specutainment, if you don't mind, uh, at uh, Specutainment on Twitter. And we'll have the show of the year voting news as well. And I've just heard that the Responsible Adult has agreed to a classic car show. So Nick Damon, already into the champagne, will find out this later on. It's all been too much to take quite honestly all coming up in the second half midweek motorsport on rs1 midweek motorsport series 13 episode number 46 and our big interview tonight is more of a big catch-up as we welcome back a voice that we haven't heard uh, on our network for a wee while and say hello and as it is to him good morning to Richard Creel. Hello, mate. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm very, very well, and thank you for getting up a wee bit early and getting that coffee pot on uh, for the for the big catch-up, let's call it, this week, if it's not the big uh, interview. And we'll start with the big news from Australia, uh, that being uh, Virgin Australia Supercars came to an end last weekend with another tremendous weekend on the streets of, of Newcastle. And... Not, first of all, should say, in a microcosm of the season, not without its controversy. (laughs) Well, we all sat there Saturday night, and obvious reasons, which will soon become apparent for those that didn't see it. Spoiler alert. What what on earth is going on in this series? Um, It it was a fantastic weekend after a a great championship, and it, it was everything that we'd hoped supercars would become when Roger Penske entered the championship. Yes. And it, it was a uh, the, the two powerhouse teams of our series going head-to-head for a championship and, and basically being squared up when we go into the very final race of the season. And that's essentially what we've got. So it was a, a remarkable season of, that ebbed and flowed that, that saw Scott McLaughlin, uh, well, saw Shane Van Gisberg and the Kiwi grab an early lead in the championship overhauled through the early mid-season by McLaughlin, who used his amazing one-lap qualifying pace Mm. to get pole position and convert that into race wins, despite 
basically flying a lone hand for the Ford Falcon, which is now the oldest car in the field um, and struggled for raw speed this year. And McLaughlin was really the only one who could extract the last few tenths out of that car this year. The, the Tickford racing car struggled and even Scott's teammate Fabian Coulthard struggled this year. So, that Considering a, where he um, was this time last year as well, Creelsey, you know, yeah, 12 yep. months ago, he I'm not going to say he was at his lowest ebb, but he certainly didn't seem to be in a good place uh, as far as where his head was at. He's pulled himself up literally by his bootstraps and put in a year that he can be proud of on so many levels. Obviously, he's won yeah. the championship, but my goodness, to come back from where he was 12 months ago, extraordinary. Yeah. Well, imagine imagine you're 24, as he was like this time last year, uh, and your only dream in your life hasn't been to go and race Formula One. It hasn't been to go and race mm. Le Mans or sports cars or IndyCar. It's been to go and race supercars because that's what your hero, Greg Murphy, raced. And you grew up a Greg Murphy fan, and, and that was it, from a small country with four and a half million people with a motorsport mad culture. And New Zealanders are winning everything in motor racing at the moment. <laughs> Um, which is ridiculous as an Australian, uh, and and you you get it robbed robbed from you in the final hurdle. You lose that championship as a twenty four year old. That that must have been something that would tear at your soul. But for what Scott did to to put that behind him, and and with the support network that he's got, he's got a new fiance. He's got a great family who have been involved in racing for a long time, and he's got the most successful racing organisation on the planet behind him as well, um, to put that behind him and build that without the fastest car in the field yes. and with all the various dramas that have gone throughout the season um, is just outstanding. So, you know, they raced into Saturday of the event. Scott was leading the race until the final lap, ran out of fuel, passed by Van Gisberg and his title rival. Um, it meant that going into Sunday, the, there was a two-point gap between them it was quite literally going to be winner-take-all in the championship on Sunday. And then the controversy doors opened and the stewards played their role and Van Gisbergen was penalised on Saturday night for a pit-stop infringement, given the equivalent of a drive-through penalty, back to fifth. And that just took a little bit of the sting out of the of the finale and on Sunday, but it was still a remarkable drive. And the fact remained that McLaughlin beat them all on Sunday anyway. Yep and would have won the race had he not been told to move over for David Reynolds with three laps to go. So remarkably dramatic conclusion at a, an amazingly dramatic street circuit and, yeah, an, an incredibly well-deserved championship for young Scotty who at 25 is now one of the best drivers that we've got in this part of the world and, and I'm convinced that at some point in the future we'll see him in the States with the, with the captain because I know Roger rates him very, very highly. Uh, rightly so. Absolutely rightly so. Um, I- I'll come back to to Scotty McLaughlin and his state of mind um, and develop that point about, you know, what happened last year, this time last year and, and, and how he's moved on from that in a moment. Uh, just go to the penalty. The penalty was for refuelling while the car was on the ground, um, which is yeah. uh, a no-no. And it, I, I, I mean, there is a... There's a get-out-of-jail-free card in the regs that says if you do drop it and you still fuel, and if you put it back up again, all's good. But they didn't. They left it on the ground. From what I've seen from the comments of a number of people and and going back through things, 
the big issue that the team had about this was that the driver was penalised. Whereas yeah. in similar instances in the past, Creelsey, um I think it was Oribus who got a similar penalty earlier on the season. They were fined and given uh, given a, a team's penalty deduction. Um, yep. I think the 18 car lost a wheel this weekend and that went rolling out into into the fast lane of the pits. Again, that was a fine yep. and, a, and a team's penalty. Um, they they yep. felt a little hard done by and felt that really... Uh, that really knocked their plug in for the weekend at that point. Yeah, yeah, they they didn't feel a little hard done by. They felt a lot hard done by. Yeah, that that's pretty much the long and the short of it. Um, yeah, it was an interesting decision, and and it was going to go. It was a real fifty fifty from our point of view, but but the the stewards and uh, race control decided that due to the the stakes on the line and due to what was what was it on the edge of that that it was a a penalty that needed to go to the driver as well because of the championship situation. Now you can argue either sides of that till the cows come home and, and there are valid arguments for both sides of it. But um, in the end, I, I think from my point of view and any respective of the fact that, that Scott is unquestionably the popular winner of yes. the sport. Um, it's a team game, isn't it? When, when True. most of the races in your championship are involving pit stops compulsory or otherwise, that the team gets involved. So if, if one member of a footy team drops the ball and kicks an own goal or uh, hands a free kick to the opposition or whatever it might be, then the whole team gets penalised. In this case, it was a team error. Um, the the fueler and the, the jack man who, who dropped the car got it wrong um, and the, the team was penalised and the team included Shane Van Gisbergen. So there are, there are several ways to look at it. Gee, it was controversial though. Um, we were all hoping for a nice quiet Saturday night, but uh, it didn't happen. Um, but it just added another wave of storyline and another wave of discussion. And um, I've seen the TV ratings and the social media ratings on, on Sunday and they were off the charts compared to where they were last year. So clearly it had an effect that it, it drew people into the sport and the, the promoter in me is going, well, that's well, not a bad thing, is it? No, indeed not. Uh, let's, um, before we move on, let's just talk about Scott McLaughlin. As you said, you know, what does it say about him as an individual that he takes what happened at the last race last year and mm. puts that to one side and focuses on what got him into that position last year in the first place? How much is that? How much of that is him? How much of that is the team? And what does that say about going forward? We're looking at one of potential one of the real greats here, aren't we? Yeah, and the other thing with Scott, and, and I agree with all of that, the other thing with Scott is that he's he's got the potential to be one of the all-time greats as a fan favourite as well. Mm. So not only is That's he a very good outrageously... Point. Yeah, not only is he an outrageously good driver, um, he's a lovely bloke. He's completely unaffected by the fame that he's got, by the success that he's had by driving with Roger Penske. He's had the... He's had that Penske sheen put on him since joining that team. So some of the some of the funny antics and the boyish enthusiasm that he had when he drove for Gary Rogers Motorsport, it hasn't gone. It's just been reined back in, mm. which is what Roger Penske expects. But Roger's been quite open and saying, well, I don't want my drivers to be automatons. I want them to be individuals and the personalities that they are. And Scotty's got a fantastic personality. Lovely bloke, down to earth. He'll sign autographs for hours. 
Um, somewhat unfairly, he gets compared to Craig Lowndes and people go, well, he's the next Craig Lowndes. Yeah. Um, there are definitely similarities in that, both in the way their careers burst onto the scene and they've had early success. But but comparing anyone to Craig Lowndes is, is a hardship on the person being compared to Craig Lowndes because he's very hard to match. But he's got that same laconic laid-back demeanour. He's always smiling, but he calls it like it is. Um He's very forthright. He's very upfront, but he's just chilled out. He's you get this picture of a of a cliche Kiwi in your mind, and they're chilled out. They're relaxed. They're lovely people. They're they're really laid back about life. Yeah, hey, you know it's all right. We'll we'll just make things go, and we'll we'll get it right. And that's where I think Scott's developed the most in the last couple of years, and that he just doesn't let that pressure get to him so much. At least not visually from from all the external parties looking in. Um, and of course, when you're not driving with that much pressure, you drive better and you make less mistakes and championships come your way. But surely having the impact of Roger Penske and that whole organization behind you would have been a, a huge confidence boost because even Roger Penske has won 34 championships, the Indy 500, everything that's gone on, they've probably lost more championships than they've won. So they know what it's like to be beaten at the end. And um, when you get beaten, it makes you better at what you're doing, just makes the hunger to go and win it even stronger and I think that sums up their season an extraordinary season uh, for the captain for Roger Penske Tim Sindrick and uh, and all of the guys who have worked in all of their efforts uh, across the world and around the world um, you, you mentioned Craig Lowndes there uh, Craig is one of the goodbyes that we say, t- uh, say uh, have to say at the end of this season, at least as a full-time uh, competitor uh, for Virgin Australian Supercars. Although uh, something tells me that he might still have an eye on the uh, Bathurst 1000 and he's fairly handy around there. And there's a certain P. Brock Esquire who has, what is it, yeah. nine wins around there that Lowndes yep. still within striking distance of. He'd be a miss yep. in the championship though, won't he? Yeah, he will. Um, though, if you read some of the media reports from the weekend, it was like he was he was dying because <laughs> he's not he's not going anywhere. Um, he's been very very clear that Craig will still be a factor. He's already been announced as part of a twelve hour team that we'll talk about later on. Um, it's already been confirmed that he'll be back with Triple Eight in the enduro races next year, including Bathurst. And we're all sitting there going, well, you may as well just hand that the, the Bathurst 1000 to Triple Eight <laughs> for the next couple of years because whether Craig drives with Shane Van Gisbergen or Jamie Winkup, it doesn't matter. They will be almost unbackable favourites going into that race. Uh, Craig's won seven Bathurst 1000s. Brock won nine. Brock's his hero and mentor and uh, who he followed in his early days. So mm. there, there's a very real possibility, he, if not beat, he'll match Brock, which would just be an incredible story. But Craig will be around. He's he's made it very clear that he wants to go and do some more racing. The Le Mans 24-hour is very high on his bucket list. Ooh. So I expect to see him in that race at some point in the next couple of years. And um, he is as good as he has ever been. And the best part about this season, John, is that last year was an absolute shocker. He changed engineers. They couldn't get the tie to work in qualifying. Yeah. Um, he, he had a poor season, didn't win a race. It was really tough. Uh, what he did this year was they turned it around. He won races at Simmons Plains. He was a regular podium contender again, as we expect to see. He was the tenacious, some would say annoying himself on the racetrack, nibbling away at the rear bumper bar of the cars in front, always there. And then, of course, he went and won Bathurst. So what he's doing 
on a full-time level is going out, you know, with a century in your last test match and um, and driving brilliantly. So he's as good as he's ever been, and he's now going to go and drive more cool race cars for more cool people in the future, and um, he'll still be a very, very big part of the sport for a long time to come, which I think you'll agree, having... Having dealt with him at the 12-hour in the past, uh, I think mega. that's a very, very good thing. He's mega. He's absolutely fantastic. I do I do like how many of the guys that you've got down there look, know their history. As Jeremy mm. Shaw would say, students of the sport, they've grown up around the sport, they've followed people, and they have real respect for the history of it and they yeah. understand the meaning. You never have to tell them that they've just built beat somebody else's record. You never have to yeah. tell them. You know, it, it, it's 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 like a good batsman doesn't have to look at the scoreboard, does he? He knows when he's on yeah. nine, he knows when he's in the nineties and he and he knows when he's the, pushing towards the three figures. Yeah, the, and the thing with Craig though is that if he breaks a record He's respective of or respective of the person that Correct. broke it in the first place or Correct. said it in the first place. So, Agree. like you say, understands it. But question, question for you, I, I've I think that Craig's global, uh, in, I'm going to say influence. It's not the right word, but his global appeal perhaps is bigger now than it ever has been. Agree. And I, I don't know. I'd like your thoughts on that. I don't know if that's just part of supercars being better known internationally than it ever has been, or. Craig himself just being better known internationally than he ever has been. But I, I don't think there's been any point in Craig's career where even when he was racing F3000 in 1997, that he's been more highly regarded globally than he has at this point. No, I c- completely agree. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, because he has built up a very vocal and loyal following in his home territory, and he's been successful, let's not forget that, in the big races, in the big races that have an international standing. Um, I think his uh, participation in the Liquid Molly uh, 12 hours uh, at Bathurst, I think that has exposed him to a new audience as well, in terms of the GT side uh, of things. And... The third thing, and you know, people might laugh at me for this, but there's a part of me that thinks that social media's played a part here, and you know, accounts like Lounsey's car uh, stand yes. up and take a bow because yeah. that account comments on all motorsports, and whilst I know that's not an official. Craig Lounsey account, it's got his brand values attached to it because it's very. You and I both know the person that, that is Lounsey's car, uh, the car that is mm. Lounsey's car. Uh, and, you know, the brand values of Craig are reflected in that, even though it's not an official thing. And and I, I think mm. those little things just catch people's eye. I, I think if he wanted to jump into some other races around the world, particularly in GT3, possibly even GTE, GT Le Mans, um, I don't think he would have too much trouble if there was if there was a seat for him, if if I'm absolutely honest. No. And, I'd, and I'd love to see that. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. No big interview this week. Well, sort of. We've got Krillzy on the line, so it is a big interview. Uh, and it's a big catch-up as well. We're talking about Virgin Australian Supercars. Congratulations to Scotty McLaughlin and to Penske for winning the championship. Pipping SVG right at the, the end there. Um, we're talking about goodbyes with Craig Lowndes. Well, sort of. Bit of a 
farewell for now. We'll see you next year, mate, in a slightly different role. Um, however, what we will be losing is the Ford Falcon. And probably pretty much all the drivers, apart from Scotty McLaughlin, will not be... Uh, McLaughlin will not be... Uh, Desperately disappointed to see it goes. Frosty already decided that he was uh, going to head across to Holden, Holden because if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, Richie Stanaway, not happy in fairness. That's partially down to the Tickford team and how that's been going on. Um, it's not, ironically, in a year when Scotty's done so well in the car, for everyone else, it, it's it's not been a great year for the Blue Oval. No, it hasn't. And the introduction of the ZB Commodore moved the goalposts a bit. It's a very, very good race car um, developed from ground up by Triple Eight for Holden to be a very good supercar. And, and as a result, even though it's a parody formula and even though all the cars are built and tested to be the same or within half a percent of each other in performance, there were little traits that the Commodore brought in yeah. in terms of the aero performance and the stability that the Falcon just couldn't match. And as a result, um, the reason that some people are saying that Scott was so good this year is that to get the Falcon fast, they had to have it really oversteery, really yeah. loose. It's really on edge, Scott wasn't it? Was, Dead edge. Yeah, and Scott was, Scott was the only one who could get the most out of it in that driving condition this year because that's how he drives. He drives on the ragged edge and dances a car around. Um, the other guys couldn't get the most out of it most of the time. There were occasionally good performances. Fabian won a race in the 12 car for Penske. Uh, um, Chaz Mostert won on the Gold Coast rather brilliantly with James Moffat in the, the Enduro Cup decider, which was terrific. But on the whole, they had a shocking season and they could not get the cars to qualify well. And when you don't qualify well in supercars, you're mired down in the field. You're not going to make any progress. Um it's appropriate that, you know, it's the most storied brand in Australian motorsport, some would argue, um, up there with Commodore in terms of Australian touring car racing and um, 17 championship victories, more than Holden have ever won or more than the Commodores won now. Um, Scott won in car 17, so that was appropriate. It was mm. the 17th race win for Scott in that chassis as well. So oh. all the numbers... Yeah, I know, right? How cool is it? All the numbers are geared up. And, of course, the the, the fact that it was a championship for Dick Johnson, uh, who is the DJR in, in DJR Team Penske, was even better after what that team's been through over the last decade. It was near as dead six years ago. They may have well shut the doors, and it would have been a blip in – a big blip, but a blip in the history of our sport. But Roger came in, saved it, ensured that Dick Johnson was still at the forefront of everything – um, he's the, the Australian hero that, that the team needed to retain their fan base, which they did. They rebuilt, they won the championship and a great way to send off the Falcon. But um, Scott was very enthusiastic about the future and, and Ford coming back into Australian motorsport now in an official capacity. They pulled out yeah. in 2014 um, and that means we get Ford Mustang next year, which is a huge thing, very exciting. Um, um, and Ford are back in a big way. They're going to they're gonna promote really hard. So... While, while that, that Commodore v. Falcon rivalry that's that's etched in our sport for decades disappears, um, the Ford v. Holden thing, ironically, it's it's stronger now Cracked than it up, has been yeah. in probably five years, which is which is weird given the state of state of manufacturing in the car market here. So it's a it's a good thing for the sport. Uh, how big a story is it with with Winterbottom moving? Then I mean, Ford's backed him right since he's his karting 
days. He's gone across. He's left Tickford, which Richie Stanaway, as I said, has, has been fairly vocal about the, the team needing to have a good look at itself. Um, and he's gone to a single car team, Team 18. Irwin back on board as sponsors. Uh, we haven't seen yep. those guys since 2013 with. Was it Lee Holdsworth and Erebus in the Mercedes? Yeah, Lee Holdsworth, Alex Davison before it. Yeah, Ere- the early incarnation of Erebus Motorsport. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I, I, See, that's a, that's a good pick from you. Well done. That's and, impressive. Well, I remember it because it was the Mercedes, uh, the, the it blue was, and, and it yellow. Was blue and <laughs> yellow cars. I, I, I'll, let's gloss over that. Uh, so, Frosty goes to Holden. I mean... That's that's one side of the story. The other side of the story, as you say, is Ford coming back as a manufacturer. Now, the, the Mustang has to fit the silhouette of the four-door car, so the, even in its camouflage, it's, it's looked a little odd when we've seen some of the test photographs. But that is... Is that the way forward in, in terms of that? Talk about the, the frosty thing, first of all, leaving, leaving Ford. Is that yeah. a surprise to you? No, it wasn't. The, the the frosty thing's interesting. Mark Mark had been at that team. It was initially for performance racing, and it was Pro Drive Racing Australia. Now Tickford Racing. Uh, he'd been there for thirteen years, yeah. so that's a long stint to be at one employer, whether you're a racing car driver or an accountant. So <laughs> he's he's decided. I don't know why I said accountant either. Maybe, oh, that's maybe very good. Motor racing. I like that. Um, so he. Yeah, he need. I, I think he needed a change of a change of situation to reinvigorate his career. And and to be fair to Mark, he's been pretty soundly beaten by his teammates. Soundly beaten is not fair. That that's being unfair to Mark. He's been beaten by his teammates at Tickford Racing, either Chas Mostyn in particular, who who is a superstar of our game, mm-hmm. um, and Cam Waters as well over the last couple of years. So, I, I think Mark needed a change of environment. He ticked every box he possibly could at that team. He won them a championship. He won Bathurst. He's he's ticked so much in a career with that outfit that I think now in in his middle to late thirties he's one of the older drivers on the grid now. Um, he just needed a change of environment. He needed that reboot to keep his career ticking over. And he's going to a team that's very hungry for success and a team that's also signed a deal with Triple Eight to get basically factory gear and a, a full blown Triple mm. Eight spec Commodore next year. Tiny so, little team though. I mean, it's a tiny mm. little team. I mean, yeah, you know, is, probably is, but, but, twenty employees or something like that from the the Leviathan that that was well, originally for Performance Racing Pro Drive Tickford. I think they've got less than twenty, actually. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But but at the same time, w- wouldn't that be a nice change of scenery? So you, yeah, you go from a car team to this tiny little outfit that's all geared towards you. Mm. And it's a single car team as well. We should say that. A single car team. So it is absolutely focused in uh, on on Mark Winterbottom. They'll have a a technical alliance with, with triple eight. So they'll get, they'll get data from the best team in the pit lane. um, And they won the team's championship. So that's a fair comment as well. So don't social media me Ford fan. Um, Yeah. So I think it's a good thing. I'm excited to see what Frosty can do. He's a great talent. He's a terrific race car driver. He's one of the more popular names in our sport. So that's important to keep him in the game for a while while this next generation of stars continues. So he's got great fan appeal and drawing power. And he's very popular amongst young people in particular because he was in the Cars movies for starters. Um, So (laughs) that's that's exciting for him. Um, On the other one, the Mustang... 
Um, yes, it's been maligned, but that that is so much a case of people jumping on to social media and complaining about something they don't know anything about. Um, because we haven't seen the car in full spec yet. It's not homologated. It gets homologated this weekend, we understand, with some straight-line aero testing at a runway in New South Wales. Um, we haven't seen it in full racing livery. Cars always look better when they're in full livery, especially if it's the very, very nice shell colours of um, of the Dick Johnson racing team Penske outfit. So, well, to be honest as well, Creelsy and uh, and you know our friend Andy Blackmore will tell you this: you can make a car look completely different in its shape by clever use yeah. of darker panels, livery, etc., etc. And by the time they've done that, I'll guarantee you that people will go, "Oh, that doesn't look like the same car." Yeah, exactly right. And I guarantee you another thing. If they go out and finish one, two, three, four at the Adelaide 500, there's not going to be a Ford <laughs> fan complaining about what their race car looks like. Because <laughs> we've got a – what's the saying? A, a winning race car is a beautiful race car. Uh, well, I, the I other thing is Ford, Ford race fans can go out and buy a Ford Mustang. Well, exactly right. Exactly right. I haven't been able to buy a Falcon for two years. Yep. Exactly right. Yeah. Sadly, no, it, it's great for the sport. And Ford, as I said, Ford coming back in is enormous. Like such a, a powerful brand, full stop. But such a great motor racing heritage, not just here, but but all around the world. And and actually, their, their first major engagement they did after coming back into the sport was rock up at Mount Panorama in uh, October this year with one of the Ford GT LMGTE cars with yep. Ryan Briscoe. Um, and a, a brand new Ford Mustang GT4 car, and did a speed comparison with the supercar. It was brilliant. What yeah. a great activation! Uh, well, you mentioned the B word, Bathurst and Mount Panorama. So let's let's move on to that. You're listening to the big catch up, if not the big interview. Richard Creel on the line uh, from Australia, and um, well. If we're going to talk about Bathurst, we've got to talk about Audi at Bathurst and a sub two minute lap. Now, the oh. asterisk is it. It wasn't the right weight. It wasn't under BOP. Actually, I don't really care. Have you seen the onboard? Chris Meese is <laughs> mental. He needs to be locked up in a padded room. Yeah, he's an animal, isn't he? It's. Um, I love that they did that. I absolutely love it. So for, for background, for those that aren't aware, there's an event at the end of the year at Mount Panorama. It's not a race meeting, but it's a sprint event where the track's closed for a couple of days and people can go out and go as fast as they can in whatever car they can. So a lot of the Australian-based 12-hour teams go and test there ahead of the Bathurst 12-hour because it's the only track time you can get at Mount Panorama outside the the race weekend. So um, Audi Custom Sport Racing Australia had a really good test. They had Garth Tander and Chris Meese there. They brought Chris out from Germany to drive the car. They ticked off all their 12-hour boxes on Thursday and Friday morning and then went, well, why don't we have some fun with this? Now we're prepared for 12-hour. <laughs> Let's put the softest Pirellis we can find on. Uh, let's take the restrictors and the BOP out of the car and let's see how fast it can go. And there's been this chase, and you know this, oh. and you'll know that it actually irritates me a bit because I was hoping we'd see the first sub two-minute lap next February so we could be the ones talking about it. But um, Still but might been happen, a chase and go, that'll be the first oh, one yeah. in competition. That's the thing. Correct, but... There's been a chase to go sub two minutes at Bathurst for as long as I've been alive and longer than that. And for a while, it seemed completely impossible. But, yeah, amazing. Took the restrictors out, took the weight out of the car, softer tyre, and away Chris Meese went. And ironically, his first lap was a two minutes point two. (gasps) So just missed it with some traffic and then did a 59.2. 
at the end. Garth Tander backed it up and did a, a low two-minute zero-zero. So it's just awesome. I, I love it. it. It's a bit Nürburgringy where everyone goes to try and set the the sexy lap time, but I don't care. I, I think it's a brilliant achievement. And um, I, I love people just going out to go as fast as they can because that's what motor racing should be. That's why I love the top 10 shootout at Bathurst because it's Agreed. just a gloves off. We don't care about the race. We just want to attack this place, go as fast as we possibly can for slightly over, or in this case, slightly under two minutes. And um, I love it. That's that's brilliant. And the lap is it's terrifying in places, isn't it? You you can hold your breath oh. for the entire duration, and the commitment that he carries over the top's ballistic. And then it's amazing how much faster an Audi R8 is without air restrictors when it goes down Conrad Straight. All of a sudden, the thing does 294 k's an hour, which is uh, Pretty impressive for a GT3 car. Uh, that's about that's about twenty twenty five k's quicker than they normally go, isn't it? Yeah, the R rates are traditionally the slowest down mm. Conrod. Um, asked Lawrence Vanthor about that when he was an Audi driver. He'll tell you all about it. Um, yeah, two I think two seventy nine to eighty yeah. just in a tow was all the right. fastest. So when you add 15, 16 k's an hour, it's a pretty meaningful improvement in lap time, isn't it? It gets to be. Uh, a- it's not just another 5, 10, 15 k an hour at that kind of speed. It's a logarithmic no. sk- speed becomes logarithmic at that at that that level. Um, fantastic. Uh, it's not beyond the bounds of possibility, by the way. And I'll say this now um, as appointment to view and listen for the Liquid Molly Bathurst at uh, 12 hours uh, in February, first weekend of February, uh, that two minutes, we could be knocking on the doors at two minutes. It depends which tyres Pirelli mm. bring. It depends what the weather conditions are. And if we get a little cloud over the sun at just at the right time and everything is working well, it could still happen in competition. Oh, yeah. I, it'll be, yep. I'm pretty certain it'll be in the shootout rather than in the race. Um, but yep. but the, the, I'm, I'm just going to flag, flag that up now. Um, new sponsor for... The uh, for the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hours. Liquid Molly's still involved, but welcoming a, a sponsor that is, well, you've had a, a lot to do with down through the years and is absolutely integral to Australian motorsport. Yep, Shannon's have come on board as a, a major partner of the event. And actually, on, on that, uh, the, the commercial strength um, of the 12-hour domestically is, is going to be remarkable next year. And there's a host of new sponsor announcements coming over the next three or four weeks that that some will be eye-opening, some will be really impressive. Um, so the, the commercial world's getting behind this event in Good. Australia now, which is which is outstanding. It's always been there, but um, it's been growing and growing, and, and the major brands have got a role. Shannon's have been involved in motorsport here for, for 20 years. Um, they're going to have a big presence on site. Um, for those that haven't seen them, they're an Aussie company, um, whose tagline is insurance for motoring enthusiasts. So if you've got your, your Porsche 968 Club Sport sitting in the shed, they're the company to go to <laughs> to to register it um, or to insure it. So brilliant brand, passionate about the sport. Um, Jim Richards, the great man, is one of their ambassadors. So I think that tells you all you need to know about what kind of company they keep. So, yeah, really good. The, the commercial side of this event is is important because the event obviously needs the sponsorship and backing to be successful and to grow um, and the chances of an event growing when it's got great commercial support are better than when it doesn't and and this Great. event is commercially now very very strong tied in with this channel 7 broadcast deal um, lots of exposure for these guys so that's why they're coming on board and and getting behind this event what? as well as the fact that it's expanding this year 
there's an extra day of on-track activity for the support categories. So it just gets bigger and bigger every year, and, and that's why these brands are getting on board. Yeah, when we do uh, midweek motorsport, which is early in the morning motorsport um, from Bathurst this year, Thursday morning, which is when we do that, that will be on-track activity day, which hasn't Correct. hasn't happened uh, in the past. So we might have to get that done sharpish before someone else needs our broadcast booth. Um, well, I've... I've- Think of me. I've had to. Uh, we do our Thursday pre-event media oh, call. Yes. Um, I can't. I can't use the racetrack for that anymore. There's going to be racing cars on it. But I've got plans for that. Okay, We've that seems plans. fine. And why yeah. we're talking about things that get eyes on the Liquid Molly Bathurst twelve hours? Um, we mentioned Triple D earlier on. We mentioned Craig Lowndes earlier on. Um, he's. I mean, it's all happening. Triple Eight are. I don't know if they're announcing anything about this or if they're just flagging something up. But my goodness me, they've made a bit of a splash with the uh, announcement of their three-driver team. I think it's safe to say they're taking the Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hours pretty seriously in 2019. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what tipped you off about that. Was it the <laughs> the association with the Customer Sport AMG team in Scott Taylor Motorsport, or was it the signing of? Seven-time Bathurst 1000 winner and two-time 12-hour winner Craig Lowndes, uh, two-time 12-hour and five-time Bathurst 1000 winner Jamie Winkup, and one of the fastest blokes in the sport, Bathurst 1000 winner, Bathurst 12-hour winner Shane Van Gisbergen. Oh, what 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 part tipped you off? I, I wonder. I I, I I don't know. It's just something I get a little feeling in yeah. you know feeling in me water. I, I think yeah, that's huge ridiculous. news, and it's not like the event wants for spectators but my goodness me from the telly point of view from the sponsors point of view from a ticket sales point of view that can't do any harm can it yeah no no absolutely not it's probably and we say this from a domestic perspective but as we know experience at Bathurst is so critical it's got to be the best combination that's ever been put together at that racetrack irrespective of event race wow whatever um Van Gisbergen and Winkup alone yeah. is epic, or Lowndes and Winkup alone, as we saw with Villander in the Ferrari two years ago, and the results on that spoke for themselves. Ironically, it was Villander who took all the limelight that weekend with that amazing stint in the middle of the race where he broke the back of, of that event and won it for Ferrari. But um, when you throw SVG into the mix, and we've seen what Shane's capable of a, a, at that place over so many years, and I still go back to his quips about chasing Bern Schneider <laughs> over the top of the mountain, and talking about how he could see his, quote, big German head bobbing around in the car in front. Um, it sounded disrespectful, but it was just Shane. Um, it's just, it's an amazing lineup. It, it's Triple Eight's involvement is significant. Scott Taylor Motorsport have been there for a couple of years, probably should have won it two years ago, but yes. we saw the, the Shane crash at the end, obviously, which was a big talking point. Um, go ask Mauro Engel how he feels about that. Um, Still not talking about the, it, apparently. No, no, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, <laughs> losing Bathurst in the last half hour hurts, as it turns out. Um, but it's it's phenomenal, and it's great for the event. Uh, it's great for Triple Eight to see them broadening their horizons, and um, they've made no bones about the fact that that expansion could be an opportunity for them. And good for them. Um, if the right program comes up, I'm sure they'll grasp that and expand that team into GT racing at some point, which would be terrific to see. Be a worry for every other G team in the world because when uh, Roland Dane goes and does things, he tends to do them very successfully. This is an outfit that's finished first or second in the Supercars Championship now for a decade. Yeah. Um, 
So, but great news all around. What a combination. Um, who qualifies the car? <laughs> you just rock, paper, scissors to see who gets in first and who gets to do the shootout. It's it's, um, it's never going to be rock, cool. paper, scissors between those three. It'll be arm wrestling or a punch up uh, behind yeah. the back, behind the, the the back of the the back of the pits. Um, the uh, the entry list grows steadily, uh, which is good. And I know there's plenty more coming uh, in the next well, few weeks. I can talk about that. And, and look, there has been some comment on social media, and I understand it, that things have been a little bit quiet. Yeah, they have. Um, but but don't stress. This is the Bathurst 12-hour. The field is going to be incredible. There's a lot of people that were waiting for the end of the international GT calendar. Yes. So the golf 12 hours still to come there's some teams involved there that are waiting for that to be finished um a lot of people waiting for the blanc pan uh and sro side of the equation to wrap up uh in europe where they had their night of champions a couple of nights ago so that's now concluded so manufacturers just waiting to get their ducks in a row for the end of that season a bit later than normal but this field's going to be phenomenal. Don't worry about that. Um, I know there hasn't been an entry list yet. I know there hasn't been that many major announcements, but percolating behind the scenes, there's there's some potential in this entry list for it to be off the charts. And um, we've seen what we've had in the last couple of years. And I'll, I'll go on record right now and say that I'm absolutely comfortable that the field will be no less competitive than what yeah. we've seen over the last two or three years. There's no problem in my mind that we're not going to have another world-class field so uh sit tight uh, i think december is going to be busy from an announcement point of view uh and january when it comes to locking in drivers will be the same as well so um yeah she's going to be a good one we, we are going to lose some of the invitational classes because of um uh, a restrictor regulation that's been put on them that's kicked up a bit of a a storm crazy, um which is, is sad for some of those guys but um, is that just the event moving on or people like the Daytona Coupe and the Viper and stuff like that? Yeah, well, short answer, probably yes. Um, long answer is a little bit more complicated than that. So uh, that that team, the Daytona Sports Cars team, were not going to run the Viper and the Daytona Coupe anyway this year. So oh, they were going to run a sin, weren't they? They were going to run a sin, yeah. And... Um, yeah, that's a pretty extreme little race car um, with a big seven-liter Chevy V8 mid-mounted. Um, it's like a, an unrestricted GT3 sports sedan. It's it's ridiculous. So um, there was a change in restriction uh, in the way those cars were managed, and uh, from from minimum lap time to an air restricted to to fully pull back their performance because, and and rightly so, there were comments. I don't want to use the word complaints, although it's probably appropriate. That <laughs> a, a, a full-blown factory spec GT3 car was getting dusted off going up the hill by the privateers running the Daytona or the Dodge Viper that were miles, miles faster. And and it did make, and we've seen this play a role in the race. Yeah, it, it did make lapping those cars really difficult Yeah, um, when they were limited to a 206 and a GT3 car can do 202s all day. Um, that that wasn't an issue and, and it did play a role in the race. So they, they changed the way that those cars are managed in, in terms of their performance they are an invitational class. They're not supposed to be outright competitive. So that's part of it. Um, yep. There was was discussion that that would affect Mark Cars Australia's role in the race, but I've heard nothing out of Ryan McLeod's team that they're not going to be there. It's such a big part of their season. Yeah. Um, and and they, they will, I'm sure, run 
five or six cars as they always do. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that, that's always been a good effort there. And I enjoy seeing those as well. And I know they're fan favourites. Let's uh, pick off and finish up with Creelsey on the big catch-up this week. Uh, we've already kept them on for rather longer uh, than I uh, had anticipated. So uh, Tim is uh, wanting to slot a couple of things in before the end of the show. So a couple of other news lines. Uh, congratulations to Steve Johnson, uh, who has won in a Ford Mustang in the Touring Car <laughs> Masters. Uh, that was at the Newcastle 500 as well, the WM Waste uh, Green and Yellow uh, Mustang, classic Mustang. I owned a Mac 1 Mustang like that in blue for all of 10 days uh, a few years ago. I drove it once uh, for about 500 yards and I think for 450 of them the wheels were spinning. Um, uh, whilst we're talking about big bangers though, got to have your thoughts on Aussie Formula 5000 which was launched oh, recently. Oh, That's not exciting at all. It, it, so I, I grew up in in a Grand Prix city. So I've, I grew up with Formula 1 in Adelaide. So big Powerful open wheelers are in my DNA. Uh, Australia hasn't had a top open wheel category for some time. Uh, Formula 3 was strong for a while and it was terrific, but but they're not cars that put the hair on the back of your neck and other things standing up. So it's, it, it's very cool. We're all just praying that this thing gets off the ground. Um, it's the, the Ligier Enrope uh, Formula 3 chassis that's been Specially adapted, it's got a Ford Coyote V8 behind it with 570 horsepower. So outside of F1 Formula 2 IndyCar, it's about the most powerful big wings and slicks category you're going to get. Um, It's got the same massive rear rubber that the old F5000 cars of the day used to run. Um, It's got not a lot of aerodynamic downforce. It's got underbody downforce and mechanical grip. So... That means the racing should be very, very entertaining and you won't have all the aero problems that Formula One, for example, has got. Um, It's got all the basics in place to be a very, 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 very exciting category. Um, And they actually actually ran very. Yeah, (laughs) I'll I'll throw a few more in, but I know Tim's wanting to wind us up. Um, They ran it at the Newcastle 500. They demonstrated it there. Oh, right. It's great. It's going to run this weekend again in Adelaide at the uh, Adelaide Motorsport Festival. Um, They've quietly said to me, we want to go out after lap records there to show what the car's capable of and knock off some uh, 80s and 90s era Formula 1 cars. So that's going to be very, very cool. Um, It's a great thing. I I desperately hope it gets off the ground because for this region, and, and I'm talking Australia and New Zealand, it could be very, very cool. Uh, by the way, uh, the Steve Johnson um, Mustang win was at the expense of my beloved Tirana. So I, I, it was. You know, I said that through. Uh, <laughs> but, but from a fan point of view, a Ford with an involvement from the Johnsons and number 17 on the door, which is pretty iconic here, won not once in one day, but twice. Oh, yeah, all, all right. A big day. All right. Was that, we, we started with the current iteration of uh, Virgin Australia supercars, touring cars. Um, let's talk about the international form of touring cars. So we wrap, wrap up on the big catch-up with Creelsey here on Midweek Motorsport Series 13, episode number 46. Uh, TCR has landed in Stryer. Um We wait forever for an international touring car series and then two iterations turn up at the same time. There's an official one and a sort of... Pirate Rebellion one, um, but they are both using TCR cars. Yeah, so let's let's just uh, let's not bother with the Rebellion one because it's just too hard work to explain Australian motor racing <laughs> politics at the moment. Um, 
the the official one, yeah, it's um it's interesting, you know. Uh, there's there's been talk about it for some time that that TCR needed to come here. There's an argument on one side that we've already got three versions of of supercar racing. We've got yep. um the the main supercar series, Super Two, and um and by the time, well, actually, it was announced yesterday that uh, the V8 Touring Car Series, which was the unofficial third tier, yep. is now the official third tier. It's called Super Three moving forward. So. It's that MotoGP style, Moto3, 2, and MotoGP style progression, which is great. Formula yep. One's got it now as well. Um, yeah, so where does TCR fit? Well, it, it's being positioned as uh, not a rival, very much not a rival. And uh, two leader spec categories have tried to be rivals here in the past, like Super Touring, mm. and it didn't work. Um, so they're setting up on the Shannon's Nationals program, the second tier program. Um, they've got a, a pretty decent opening calendar for the first season. No supercar rounds yet, though that's a possibility down the road. So they're, they're taking the right approach in the, the softly, softly, don't go in pretending to be this massive alternative to the biggest show in town because you don't take on the 100-pound gorilla. There's just no point in fighting it because you'll lose. Yeah. So they, I'm sure, can have their niche in the market. They can play up that relevance internationally to TCR categories around the world. I'm sure they'll bring some drivers over from... WTCR or the British Series or Europe or wherever, Asia's very close by, so that would be logical. Uh, and I'm sure some of our drivers in that category will go overseas. And and if it can find its role there, and and that'll be that'll be terrific. And if they can they can get 18 to 20 cars on the grid, that will be even better. Um, I, I think for me the most important thing is if they can get some brands involved. If yep. they can get a Hyundai involved, for example, a Honda brands that don't have a supercars involvement, then that's a bonus because. I Ultimately, the more brands that have an engagement in the sport, that's that's better for everybody. And interestingly, of course, um, Hyundai with the i30N was one of the cars that was testing at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, what, last week now? Or was it the early mm. part of this week? I can't remember. Um, last but, week, yep. Yeah, it was last week. Was it th- I, I, Sorry, my adult brain. Um, that, <laughs> you know, that that's significant. It is really significant. Um, and at the moment, just a sprint uh, calendar for that uh, those set of cars. But as we know, Creelsey, first of all, it, even with what happens when you bring a car into Australia, they're a relatively cost-effective way to go motor racing, particularly with a factory-built car. Um, mm. And, I mean, uh, I think it was Baz Cooten who was talking to us at Texas in our um, Hancock 24-hour coverage that was saying he's got one for sale at the moment for 89,500 euros. Brand new. Now, yeah. to make that yeah. an inch, that's a sprint that's a sprint car. Um, to take that into endurance, you have to add a few bits and pieces, but it's not very much. You're talking probably just over 100,000 euros. Now, I know that uh, there's, there's taxes and all that to, to get it into get it into Australia, but uh, even so, that's a cost-effective way to go motor racing. And if you're going to do that, you might as well sweat the effort uh, asset if you're a team. And, and I'd be, I'll be very surprised if not next year, not at the next time that we're there but maybe the time after in 2020 I'll be surprised we don't see any in uh, in the liquid molly bathers 12 hours yeah yeah that, that it seems logical doesn't it and and TCR cars are a big part of the Creventic series of course as they're you know quick. um they, they have an involvement in major endurance races around the world they at, at Mount Panorama most people think they're going to be quicker than GD4 cars so yeah, I agree it's not like they'll yeah it's not like they'll go there and be be really slow wobbling around the field. And the irony is, is that the way these cars produce their speed through that, that light, nimble, 
little racing cars. So their mid corner will be pretty pretty good across the top of the mountain, and that's Correct. the biggest complaint for non GT three cars at the mountain is when you're trying to lap them, you get to them at the top and they're so slow, and then they'll dust a GT three car off down Conrod. So I think I think from a twelve hour perspective, they'll actually be a pretty handy package, and they shouldn't get in the way. A lot of downforce, Creelsey. They are quick through the twisty bits. Yeah. Trust me, yeah. I followed one through uh, the early part of the quarter lap, which is all mm. all left and right, and you know loading the car up. And if you can steer with a well-driven TCR car through there in a GT4 car, then you're doing pretty mm. well. That you're doing, yeah, you know, 100%. you're doing very well. They are quick, and let's not forget, we've seen them in IMSA be quicker than the GT4 cars, and they've got 30-odd horsepower taken from them there for that reason. But certainly in the twisty bits, I'd say the first segment of Lime Rock Park, some of the twistier circuits, sector types are as good, if not better, than the GT4 cars. And if it rains, by the way, stand back. Because um, in endurance spec, you're allowed uh, traction and ABS plus the front wheel drive, um, they'll be super quick. Looking forward to seeing how that develops and we'll keep an eye on that. Creelsey, I know it's early morning with you. Thank you very much for uh, being with us on this, uh, if not the big interview, the big catch-up. Good to speak to you, mate. Have a good one. It's it's a big interview. It's like a catch-up where we haven't seen each other for a while. We've just gone down to the pub for a cheeky beer. Uh, exactly, exactly right. Uh, Richard Krill joining us uh, live here on Midweek Motorsports. Tim Gray is still up in London. Where are we going next, mate? Well, obviously, we are going to this. The uh, Show of the Year Awards is uh, on next week's show. Is it next week? I'll next have to get week. my dinner jacket out. You certainly will. Or your ball gown. Now, you see, you've already left me with a difficult choice, which I suspect is what many of our listeners will have. Just uh, go with whatever matches your handbag. Good. Like it. Uh, If you want to vote, and why would you not want to vote, uh, then you need to do it in the next seven days. Well, six days and uh, 22 hours. (laughs) Or if you're listening to the podcast, even less than that. Well, it could be any time. It could be tomorrow if you're on the the podcast. However... I mean, you might be listening to this podcast after next week's show, in which case, just ignore all of this. It's closed. Uh, so, it is now the 28th of November at 8 minutes to 10 GMT. It is. And the show starts at 8 o'clock GMT in a week's time. Yes. Now... We normally leave the Listener's Award open as long as we can in the show of the year, don't we? Uh, we do. Uh, if you uh, And this year is uh, not really uh, very different. We've, we've had three uh, nominees that we've picked from the suggestions you've made. Right. And uh, well, this is for the Listener's Award. For the Listener's Award. Obviously, yeah. we uh, gave all our nominations for the other awards last year, and last it, week on the show. And is that on the website, too? And it is. If you go to the uh, episode 46 uh, page, which is the top story currently on the website, yep. uh, you will find our voting form. Uh, 
That's uh, on RegioLamont.com. RegioLamont.com. Uh, right, Car of the Year, Race of the Year, Young Driver of the Year, Team of the Year, Non Driver of the Year, Man of the Year, and Listener's Award. And at the bottom there's a submit button, which you need to press to submit your entries. You don't Excellent. have to vote in every category, you could leave one blank if you want to. Oh, really? We could do but that. Why would you want to? Indeed. So, who are the three that have caught the listener's eye this or ear this year? Uh, Catherine Legg is the first one. Oh, very good. Um, and I think Catherine Legg would be a great person to have on as a big interview at some point soon. I think we should let Cher do that because she always says, Hello, babe. How are you doing? I love the way Catherine and Cher talk together. It's very informal. It's not like racing driving interview. Now, Catherine didn't win a championship this year. Wasn't expecting to be in for the... But she did finish second in a championship. In a championship, she wasn't expecting to be contending, which was fantastic by MSR. Uh, That was the GTD championship that was run by Paul Miller Racing, of which more in a moment um, second nominee is Toyota Gazoo Racing we talked about them last year because they were already uh, nominating the team of the year category I said last year again didn't I meant last week and the third one's Valentino Rossi I like Toyota Gazoo Racing uh, I read something the other day with, that somebody said I love them for sticking with the formula despite the critics and effectively they beat the toughest competitor of all, which is the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Forget whether there was anybody else on the track with them. Rossi, what do you say about Rossi? Uh, a true great, still performing at the highest level, without the best equipment, and and, and still wants to race. Indeed. There's your choices. There's your choices. Go and vote now. Uh, you can vote as many times as you want. Can you? Uh, yes. Right. Yeah, there's no restrictions here. Vote early, vote often, as they uh, <laughs> used as to they say. Used to see in many uh, can I just apologise to the listeners that uh, it looks like we're not going to have time to uh, do a preview of the Dakar, uh, which I did promise earlier in the show. So we'll, there's time we'll have next week. we'll have that next week as well, that and sounds... we, we'll hear from some of the drivers. Oh, will we? We will. Excellent. I like that. Uh, let's go back to Fort Lauderdale. Get onto the website RidgeLamont.com and uh, Series 13, Episode 46. Cher Adam is joining us for a little bit to do your voting. Uh, and I'm sure she'll <laughs> be doing this. Let's crack on with a bit of IMSA news. Um, first of all, Junkos Racing. Yeah, Junkos announced their first full-season driver. It's going to be Will Owen, so the young American coming back, having won a championship in the European Le Mans Series. Mm. He's done four IMSA races before, so he's raced at Long Beach. Remember a couple of years ago, he ran with PR1 in their prototype. Didn't have a great weekend. I seem to remember he crashed the car very early on. But he had a stellar year this year at Daytona, Watkins Glen, and Petit Le Mans. Uh, The first two he ran with United Autosports, and the last he ran again with PR1. So he's familiar with the way that the paddock works. And he will be driving a Cadillac next year. Really? Yeah, Junkos has a Cadillac. They're one of the the new teams stepping up. I think we've got seven confirmed for the grid. Yeah, that's looking great. And Will Owen, um, he's got a bit of tracks to learn, but okay, very good. A um, couple of goodbyes and a couple of welcome backs, or, well, at least a potential goodbye. Paul Miller Racing, are they going to Blancpain? Are they going to Blancpain America exclusively? What What's all this about? Lamborghini, uh, the champions in GT Daytona, are we losing them from 
from him. So we talked about driver ratings last week with Paul Walter. <laughs> I will say reserve your judgment uh, until we actually hear from the team themselves because we haven't had something yet from the team saying we're leaving EMSA, we're going to Blancpain GT. The only thing that has really been sort of publicly stated, it's a place where Madison and Brian can still race together as two gold. So that's an avenue that they're exploring. I would be shocked to see Madison Snow racing somewhere besides IMSA because he has right. said multiple times, that's his home. That's his paddock. That's where he wants to be. But there is nothing stopping them from running both Blancpain GT and IMSA. There are zero scheduling conflicts. Except they can't race with Brian in IMSA. No, but what's stopping the team from having a car for Madison and a car for Brian Ooh. or Ooh. or having a car without Madison and maybe with another silver driver who can bring a budget? Because remember, Madison brought money to the team. Right. Okay. Um, we talked about earlier on uh, Wayne Taylor Racing, Cadillac, General Motors. Uh, we've heard from Marshall Pruitt some months ago that that McLaren would prefer to have a GM, a Chevy engine, and all of a sudden, Fernando <laughs> Alonso and others pop up in the entry for Daytona and the Rolex 24. John, Fernando found a Chevy engine. It just happened to be in the back of Wayne <laughs> He's not allowed. He's not allowed one that big at Indy. I think, I think those days are gone. Well, they did already downsize from the 6.2 liter to the 5.5, so he's going in the right direction. But yes, welcome back, Fernando Alonso, winner of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. So he will be sharing a car with Jordan Taylor, who won the 24 Hours of Daytona in 2016. Ranger Van de Zande, who was the fastest man at Daytona last year, let's not forget, put the car on pole to kick the season off. Mm. And, of course, some guy named Kamui Kobayashi, who, oh, yeah, holds the lap record around Cirque uh, de la Sarth. So, <laughs> not a bad lineup. <laughs> I think that's a very interesting lineup. And we'll be talking to him at the Raw, which you'll be able to hear some live coverage uh, from us on RS2. IMSA Radio, of course, with Shea, Jeremy, and myself in early. January and welcome back to Peter Barron too and Starworks and an Audi. And Ryan. Razzle yeah. Dazzle, yes, Razzle Dazzle back Razzle as well. Dazzle. The biggest thing that I took out of this announcement today, John, was that Ryan Dial full season effort with yeah. Starworks in the Audi R8. Parker Chase will be joining him at the very least for the long distance races. The mm. two of them won a championship together this year in World Challenge in their form of long distance races, which aren't as long distance, but still, in any case, it's going to be an experience for Parker to run at Daytona and Sebring. There's an opportunity for him to step up and become the second full-season driver. But when you reunite Peter Barron and Ryan Dial, think about what they did in 2012 in the World Endurance Championship to win the LMP2 title. It's a really solid combination, and I'm so happy to see that Ryan has landed with the full-season ride for next yeah. year. I agree. Uh, we've got a quick test uh, early December, uh, which is another open test for Michelin tyre testing at Daytona. What have you heard? How many cars going? Um, I've not seen any official entry list, but I've talked to a lot of teams and pretty much everyone's saying, yeah, we're going to go. It's going to be <laughs> a busy <laughs> test. And if you look at the preliminary schedule for the Roar, there's not that much running all in all. It's about seven and a half hours for the GTD competitors, a little bit more for the prototypes and the GTLM, because, of course, no 
GTD cars allowed to run on the third day of the roar this year, which is new. But a lot of teams noticed that on the schedule and decided to take extra advantage of the open track time. So I think early December, it's going to be quite busy. But the other thing to contend with, the weather is cold right now Mm -hmm. in Fort Lauderdale, where I sit. This morning when I woke up, there was a four as the first number in the temperature. That doesn't happen. That means in Fahrenheit, in, yeah. In Fahrenheit, yes. Yeah, sorry. So that Not... means it was warmer here. It was warmer here than it was with you. Yeah, no, it was not pleasant. But it means that if we're cold already and it's November, we're on for a pretty rough winter. So an early December test could result in cancellation in Daytona due to frost. Uh, good point. Good point. Well made. Uh, don't forget RS2, IMSA Radio, uh, 24-7. So if you're missing your IMSA fix, you can go to that right now. But certainly for the Raw, we'll have some live coverage as well. want to finish with a little bit of uh, UK news. And this will bring uh, a bit of excitement to everyone back in the UK. Toyota GB is back in the Dunlop British Touring Car Championship with the all-new Toyota Corolla. Uh, Tom Ingram, one of the drivers. The only driver. It will be a one-car team for the first year. Right. And that's not one of the... With respect, that is not one of the... um, uh, one of the big teams. So for them to get Toyota GP to back them and put that new car shape into it, Tim, that's big news for British Touring Cars. Yes, yeah, so obviously very logical for Toyota. They're going to launch a new Corolla uh, in 2019. So uh, what better way to launch it than to race it? Uh, if you were to listen to RS2 as a radio right now, by the way, you'd be listening to uh, the uh, Prototype Challenge. Really? From yes. where? Somewhere. From uh, somewhere. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, we've got a whole host of review programmes to come up, but join us again next week at 8 o'clock when we'll be back on the air. We've got another big interview working on that at the moment, uh, and we've got a new inside story to come and a very special interview over the Christmas period with Corvette Racing's Doug Feehan which we haven't released up until now. It's a very long one. V-L-O. And I'm going to send that to Tim. We need to do a bit of work on that because it wasn't done. In fairness, it wasn't done as a long one, but it works as a long one. It was done for a, a piece of writing that I did a wee while ago, but I've asked the guys at Corvette and Doug if we can use it, and we can. So that's going to be a special Christmas present for you. And you're going to want to listen to it. We're back on the air next week at 8 o'clock UK, which is 5 o'clock, sorry, 3 o'clock in uh, Eastern time in the US. Please come and I'll try try that again. Yeah, 3 o'clock. I was right. You Um, you were right. Yeah, I you know, while we've been talking about motor racing for the last two hours, the collective uh, seem to have been talking about brandy. Excellent. Which (laughs) Which I don't have an issue with. At, at all and just to prove we live any football scores tonight 5-5 five, five. excellent very good very good indeed can't wait to see the Starworks R8 LMS GT3 with Ryan DL and Parker Chase oh by the way Lamborghini Super Trofeo schedule is out as well go to imsa.com oh, it, it starts at Barber then uh, goes to Watkins Glen uh, Elkhart Lake VIR Laguna Seca and Hereth and I really think we need to go to Hareth, but hey, you know, that's that's just that's me. Sherry. 
Yeah. Agree, agree. That's not Brandy, that's Sherry. Uh, back next week. In the meantime, there's no time to explain the llama. Well, what is the llama doing at the moment? Trying to decide who to vote for. Go to the website now and tick those boxes. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.